What's going on, everybody? It is Coach Greg Adams back in here. And that's you. With another YouTube live stream. They tried to get me this week, huh? All right, let me move my chair over for some reason. My microphone is needs to be over here. Over here. All right, we back in here. I'm feeling all right. I'll just say I'm feeling all right. And that's you. All right. Could be a little bit better. Could be 100%, but we still going to keep pushing. Keep on moving. Don't stop. No. Keep on moving. All right. Nothing going to stop me out here. Anyway. And that's you. They tried to get me, but. I got money. <laughs> anyway, man. We got a great show today. This is the Blue Chip Mindset Series. This is what we do on Wednesday mornings. I actually know what day it is today. All right. I'm a little groggy, but I know what day it is today. It is Wednesday. All right. Wednesday. And we do the Blue Chip Mindset. We get away from a little bit of the relationship talk. And we will talk about relationships for the most part. But we will talk about getting your money on your mind and your mind on your money. All right. That's what we are talking about here today. So today we're going to talk about how to maintain the lifestyle that you want. And then not let that interfere with, with, with uh, some of the dream killers that are out there. Now, some of the dream killers in your life could be people. A lot of people in your lives will be dream killers, and we're going to talk about that. Or they could be ideas that you hold on to, some things that you're hoping for. And so when we talk about hope, I've broken down the hope strategy over here. A lot of people hold on to hope, and they're hoping that something happens. And many times these things are some things that you don't even invest in or you barely invest in. Or somebody tells you to invest in something and then you say, okay, I'll invest in it, but I won't do anything else. Like I won't get physically dirty. I won't get on my hands and knees. Pause. I won't do what I need to do to make this work. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my money. I'm going to put my time. I'm going to put my energy or attention. I'm going to put that over there and I hope it will turn out in my favor. All right. One of the most dangerous people in our worlds today and to, it's unfortunately we have a lot of these people hope strategists or hopeless romantics these people will never be pleased and many times they will rarely find what they're looking for all right they rarely find what they're looking for all of the time when they're around they got a lot of sob stories all right Lots of sob stories. Oh, and if this person would have did this and this person would have did that, if this person would have understand how love worked and understand how I would love them, they would. we would have everything. We would have a perfect ending to everything. Everything in the life of a hope strategist or a hopeless romantic culminates in a perfect ending. All right. Now, if you've lived life for a lot of years, you realize that there is no perfect ending to anything. Life goes on. There's sometimes resolution. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes you just get left hanging like a cliffhanger. Sometimes there's no closure. Sometimes you just got to keep marching on. But a lot of people live life hoping that they can get some sort of closure. Let me give you an example. Like this happens typically when someone deletes uh, somebody, right? There's a victim. They get deleted. They capture the person who did the deleting. And they put this person on trial. Um, and they 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 put this person on trial and then they put them behind bars and put them behind a slammer. Now, the whole time, unfortunately, the victim's family is like, yo, why'd you do this? And they want to know directly from the person, why did you do this? Well, they believe that this this um this information is going to provide them with closure. Right. And I understand this is the human mindset. But what it awfully does often does is it reopens the wounds. It 
makes you ask more questions, right? So there's no closure because now you have more questions. You sit across from the person. Why did you do this? And then they give you some BS reason. And you're like, that's it. I've been hanging on to this for years for this BS excuse. And then now you got to ask them more questions. Do you trust them? And it oftentimes doesn't give you the closure that you need. Many people in relationships, many people in relationships and it ends. You don't really know why. Many times you won't even find out the real reason why until five years later, because everybody BSs the entire time. And then you'll find out, oh, they had an affair at work. And that's when they started acting funny. But you want to have closure and you can't move on until you get some sort of closure. So you keep going back, trying to answer things instead of moving forward in life. You're like, hey, man, the hell with it. Que sera, sera, right? You'd be like, hey, it's just it is what it is. It is what it is, bro. And so instead of moving forward in life, you keep going backwards and backwards and backwards to try to solve the problem and get closure. Meanwhile, you didn't let 5, 10, 15 years go by. And you haven't been able to move on. Sometimes it just ends. You don't get no answer. That's how life works. Believe me, I'm a JFK conspiracy conspiracy theorist, right? I've never gotten closure. I never will either, right? So that's how I started on my Crimson Capsule journey, if you guys really want to know. And I always tell you guys I'm red-pilled about life, not just women. Uh, but this uh, being red pilled about life got me to be red pilled about women. All right. So uh, when it comes to this uh, relationship things, it was a, it was an easy leap because I was already a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I was already asking questions like mm-hmm. grassy. No, like fifth, fifth floor of the book depository. Hold on for a second. Mm-hmm. Or is it the sixth floor? <laughs> I was already like, hmm. And so when you get into these questions, you're never going to get closure. I mean, you can come up with a theory and you can say, well, it points to this person. It points to that. But that's going to be the first question I'm going to go up and ask the Lord right after I get to the pearly gates. I was like, why do I like feet, Lord? And who did JFK? That's all I want to know. <laughs> all right. That's what I want to know. Can I get the final answer? He'd be like, nope. Get your ass downstairs. I'd be like, oh, Lord. Okay, I just want to know about the feet. Can I, our feet out here, are everybody walking around with Jesus sandals on? I'll, I'll take that. I'll, but don't let me go downstairs, right? He'd be like, hey. He'd be like, bye-bye. <laughs> but that's how life works, man. There's no closure sometimes. And a lot of people who deal with hope, Hopes that there's a better possibility of the future. Now, let me just tell you something. People were on my rear, pause, the last couple of years when I've been telling you doom and gloom. Where's Sizzo? Doom and gloom. Everybody's been like, CGA is doom and gloom. All right, he never has anything positive to say. Well, I'm not doom and gloom. I'm sort of a realist, if you will. And I've been telling you, man, this country is going to hell in a handbasket in T minus, I've said, five to 20 years. And it only accelerated in 2020. I mean, that accelerated right right around February, March 2020. I mean, we've just been spiraling down um, uh, alcohol slide on a razor blade. I believe that's how you say it, right? So we've been, it's been going down uh, like crazy. And a lot of people have put their hope in things like cryptocurrency. So that was the one thing that people, a lot of people put their hope in. And as, as expected and as anticipated on my side, I said, well, I don't want to put 100% of my hope in there. Um, it's an avenue of that people could have made some money if you took your money out. There's there's a strategy of taking your money out, 
and uh, people took their money out at the peak, you did good. All right. But a lot of people thought, hey, we'll wait till it doubles. And of course, it crashed. And there's going to be a little bit more meat in crypto, but not in the next three years. All right. So you're going to have to wait another three years. And uh, it's still going to go down low. I mean, we're going to hit below 20,000 uh, 20, a day. And um, people are learned, got, got a good lesson in investment. All right. It's no different than any other uh, investment item. I mean, it's it is what it is. But there's going to be peaks and there's going to be crashes. And we're in the middle of a crash with crypto. So not only is that crashing, the U.S. economy is crashing. All right. Food shortages that I've been talking about for a year or two. We're experiencing this. I mean, it's not to a great level, but it's going to be greater anticipated in the summer. Even the president, even the president's talking about it. Are you a freshman at the university? No, no. <laughs> you look like no. a freshman. <laughs> yeah, and so even he's admitting that there's going to be some some sort of shortages and whatnot. And these things are going to affect us for years, and people don't realize that. We're still being affected from 2020 shutdown, all right? This is still the, the, these are the effects of that. Now we're going to see more effects coming from the things that are going to affect us. Now we're going to see these two, two years later. Uh, the wages aren't going to increase in time. So I've been preparing you for this for a long time. And it only got accelerated in 2020. And then with all the riots and the so-called January 6th and all of these things, this this level of um, instability in our country, the lack of trust in each other, this is what it's culminated uh, to. And this is a world, we, listen, people are like, well, this has happened around the world. Well, America affects, impacts the world. So yes, other places are feeling the pain too, but our economy is connected to just about everybody. And um, people are like, it's just not our president that's causing this, but our economy is connected to everyone. So what happens here pretty much happens everywhere else. There's no one just excluded from America other than China and Russia. They're the only ones that be like, hey, we ain't doing what y'all doing over there. But everybody else is connected to us. Uh, with that being said, with that being said, we want you to prepare for what could happen, the worst that can happen, but you got to look out for yourselves. All right. So this the point of today's show is get the bag first. Focus on you. And a lot of people don't want to want you to focus on you. They will talk you out of focusing on you. They will call you selfish. They will call you some sort of you, you're out here over here. You're worried about yourself. You need to think about everyone else. We're going to talk about these people. You're also uh, putting too much faith in women. All right. Uh, we we got to talk about that. You're putting too much faith in women, and ultimately, at this time in their age, they're confused about even who they are right now, okay? They're confused about who they are right now. By the time they hit 35 and 40. And that's you. They're going to be a completely different person. They're going to be a completely different person. So the person you're putting your faith in and your trust in to build together in about a decade or 15 years later, she is not even going to be the same person. And I want you guys to understand that. We'll talk about that a little bit more because that's part of one of the points. But but without further ado, let's let you know how to contribute to today's program. <laughs> Don't, let's let you know how to contribute to today's program. Dollar sign CGA Live on the Cash App. Let's go ahead and put a banner across there. Dollar sign CGA Live on the Cash App. Also on PayPal, paypal.me backslash Coach Greg Adams. That's how you contribute to today's show to keep this message going and growing. That is the point of that. There's no super chats right now. Give it another month or two. We'll have all of that figured out. 
We'll have all of that figured out. All right. I feel good when I'm doing the show. All right. I'm sweating a little bit more than I normally do. But uh, I feel good when I do the show. As soon as I clock off, as soon as I end the stream, I'll be like, <laughs> I'll be out dying. I'll be like, Lord, I need a nap. All right. And my throat hurt. Pause. <laughs> okay. Let me see here. Let me, let me, let me type this in. <laughs> hey, um, my man, my homeboy, Avery Vance, he, he does the timestamps out in Jamaica. He was telling me, and he's absolutely right. Uh, help is everything. Help is everything for you guys. Um, even the strongest people can be taken down by lack of health. So even in um, even in situations where people are, you know, uh, they are the boss of all bosses. They are the boss of all bosses. If your health is down, if your health is down, you'll get taken down just like that. It doesn't take very much to take you down. And so I got what I believe is the flu, right? I got flu-like symptoms. Last time somebody said that was Magic Johnson. Pause. It was like, oh, Magic Johnson's sitting out this week. He has flu-like symptoms. You know how that ended up, but I'm sure I don't have nothing. <laughs> Maybe it's the Rona. Nobody thinks about they got AIDS no more. When I was growing up, that was like, if you had the flu, they was like, you got AIDS. You got AIDS. You coughing? You got AIDS. Now it's the Rona virus. Now it's Rona. You got the Rona. My Sharona. <laughs> I ain't got no Rona. Maybe I do have it, but I'm still here. I got shot side times, but I'm still breathing. Anyway, man, tomorrow I'm going to be like, <laughs> I'm going to be like taking a dirt nap, letting the maggots eat me. I ain't scared. <laughs> I ain't scared. Anyway, where are we at here? Do we have any contributors so far to the show? Uh, probably not. It's a little bit early. And then people still waking up. Wiping the cold out that eye and all of that stuff. We do have a couple of contributors today. All right. So these were from yesterday, I believe. Andre416, I told my dad I enjoy being the biggest free agent after being removed from my child's life. And he told me, don't be scared to try again. Oh, no. Mm. Oh, my gosh. So I believe this was after the show. Um, shout out to Andre416. One of the things that people, I, we got to get rid of this mentality. You try, you have a baby with the woman and she rips the kid out of your life. And then they're like, well, pick another one. Like what else could go wrong? <laughs> like that's the solution. You guys got to watch out for normies for real. You got to watch out for normies. That's normie think. And unfortunately, most people are normies. All right. And you know what? what people always want to say. Um, uh, and uh, my man, Nathan says, uh, Edward B. Edward Barney's literally invented the word propaganda because we're going to talk about that. I'm going to study him a little bit more. Uh, what is a normie? What is a normie? You got to be careful with normies. Normies are people who play life safe. <laughs> right? They just play life safe. They walk outside. They just do. They, they Most everything they say is quoted verbatim from something they heard right off the damn tip of their tongue. And it sounds just like everybody else. All you need is love, all right? All these things that don't mean anything until you're dying on your deathbed. Oh, yeah, uh, all you need is love. At the end of the day, it was love. Yeah, but uh, that didn't pay no rent, all right? I needed some rent money 
for the last 85 years. Yeah, love is nice now, now that I'm doing my swan song. <laughs> I'm doing my swan song. I don't need to pay rent tomorrow. Now love is what I need. I don't want to die alone. Yeah, you're thinking of that now, right? Because you don't have rent due tomorrow. But when you have rent due, you ain't thinking about no love. <laughs> How did you get here? Nobody's supposed to be here. <laughs> Man, who, who nobody worries about that. But um, you know, it's a it's a tough time, it's a tough belief system for everybody. Normies are the ones they don't do any critical thinking. They seem to change any way the media wants them to change. Okay, we'll change that way. We'll go that way. We'll go that way. All right, whatever they said, normies typically are baby boomers. All right, they're the biggest normies of all. They follow whatever the government says is right. All right, they are never wrong. And the news would never lie to you. And whatever's printed in magazines are the absolute truth. Normies love magazines. Baby boomers love magazines. If it wasn't for magazines, baby boomers would have been dead long a time, long time ago. <laughs> All right. They have been dead a long time ago. All right. They can survive without magazines. So um, whatever they read in magazine, and by the way, an ad, a magazine is nothing but uh, about 60% advertising, maybe more. You ever look at a magazine or <laughs> they flip through the magazine? It ain't nothing but advertisement. And so they figured out you baby boomers love to buy stuff. And they figured they'd throw some little stuff in here, a, a jet beauty of the week, an article, a poster, all right, a picture of a car with a babe leaning over the side of it, appliances. And then it's all advertisement, maybe 70, 80% advertisement. And you baby boomers fell for everything in that magazine, hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> Now, the Instagram is your magazine. Generation Z and millennials, that's your magazine, social media, Instagram and Facebook. Like, you guys would be dead without Facebook. Absolutely dead. You wouldn't even know how to operate life. Just imagine if they snatched magazines for baby boomers. What would they do? Same thing for you. If they snatched social media from you, you'd be done. You'd be done. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, man, we got, uh, who is in here? Mr. Cruz is in the building. Mr. J. Cruz, damn coach. The more I see these stories popping up about female nature, the more turned off I get. I wanted to get married now. He says, now I don't even feel like dating anymore. And women wonder why there are less men looking to marry or even wanting to date. He says, I don't hate them, but it's reaching a point where I almost don't even want to be friends with them. Keep your preaching going, coach. Um, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's fine where you're, if you're there, I don't necessarily believe that, like, I don't like to be friends with many people. So when it comes to women, they definitely not on the friendship list and it's not because they're women, but, um, like the, the energy required to be their friends is not a lot of effort. I don't want to invest that amount of time. They want to just pop up FaceTime, you talk, waste time, you know, talking gibberish. They're not, in, they're not imputing anything significant into my life. Like most of the time they, the women that I'm friends with, they're going to be younger women. I can't be friends with older women. Like, I can't listen to them at all. <laughs> all right. But younger women, they be popping off about like you're their mentor. So they're using you. Oh, what is this? And what about this? Even if it's one of those situations where you already beat it up and you done, you done put it on the shelf and she's still hanging around because you 
you know, she's leveraging the past use of her peace leave, right? Because it was important to her at her age. And um, then they still want mentorship about their dating and relationship uh, life. That's what I get of a lot of young gr girls, you know, once they get 28, 30, and 32, and I'm done with them. <laughs> then they want to be to tell them how to navigate their romantic life. And then I'm like, because they know the type of content I do. And I'm like, man, you're, you're up shit's Creek. Don't you know? Like you're 30 now. It's over for you. I mean, listen, more than likely it's over for you. I know you're just like, well, not necessarily more than likely. It's just about over, <laughs> but I don't know what to tell you. All right. So we're done with, we're going to come back to the PayPal's. I'm going to have to do the cash apps and get into the show about the dream killers. Couple of cash apps here. Shout out to <laughs> Leaf is in the building. Thank you, Leaf, for being here again. Uh, Boob says ninja, ninja, ninja. <laughs> we gotta put. I wish I could. Um, would that clip get taken down if I make that a clip? Because nobody would know the context of it if I played the, you know, played the audio. Yeah, I don't think I could do it. But the clip is funny as hell. I mean, when she said it, it was funny. That was from the movie Rosewood. Ninja, ninja, ninja. Don't type it in the chat. You guys are going to get taken down. Do not do it. Do not type it in the chat. All right. So, yeah, ninja, ninja, ninja. It was. It was a ninja, ninja, ninja. All right. So, shout out to Be Real Mahogany. Focused on my career. Got myself an F-150. So, I could focus on my career. Free agent lifestyle forever. All right. Once you start living the free agent lifestyle. By the way, I'm the author of the book, Free Agent Lifestyle. You can pick it up on Amazon or on Audible. Once you start living the free agent lifestyle, it's basically going to give you a different perspective that most normies aren't going to be able to give you. All right. Uh, shout out to Jacques. Jacques Payne with the sponsorship. Man, he sponsored today's show for the brothers that were not able to today. Appreciate you. He says, feel better, coach. Thanks for all that you do. All right. I'm pushing through it. All right. Appreciate you for being here. And then Be Real Mahogany, thank you, coach, for the inspiration, guiding, guidance, and teachings. That's what we do around here. That's what we do around here. Thank you, brothers, for the early, early contributions. All right. So anybody want to watch the movie Rosewood? We played the scene of where. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the show, man. Gosh, darn. All right. So dream killers. Let's give you a couple of things here. Uh, the first dream killer that you need to watch out for. And most of these aren't people, but some of them are people is looking for love first before improving yourself. And dealing with temporary women. All right, so let me start about on the relationship tip because this is what cripples men the most. Financially, it's going to be the most financially uh, important thing that you're going to do is mate selection. All right, people are going to talk about planning for retirement, your 401k, investing in crypto, investing in real estate. A lot of men want to know this information. And even if you're very good at this information and you're bad at mate selection, all of that stuff about money and investments and all of that stuff is, will get wiped out immediately. As soon as you get a divorce, it's wiped out, all right? So even if you know that information and you're bad at women, you're going to get wiped out. Everybody understands that. So a lot of people want us to take the information that uh, we're talking about. Why are we always talking about women? We have a collapsing economy. Well, it would be important for you to understand women because as the economy is collapsing, you're going to be set up uh, as a target. And all of a sudden, some women that were not giving you a chance are going to start giving you a chance. And if you're bad and not understanding what's happening, you're going to get finessed. This is what happens in bad economies during wartime, during collapses. All of a sudden, 
People want to be good. And a lot of times people are going to start trying to be good and you're going to get set up hook, line and sinker. So you have to have an understanding about mate selection primarily first and be good at it before you get finessed by and get your retirement wiped out. There are people right now, there are men that are in their 50s and 60s that got divorced and they got their entire retirement wiped out or at least half of it. Their pension wiped out, their social security wiped out, their uh, real estate wiped out, all of their, they got it absolutely wiped out. So yeah, you were good at saving money, but as soon as the divorce came around and you didn't honor the signs and you were sitting around playing the ring game and she got comfortable on you and got she got bigger than the Goodyear blimp, guess what happened? Guess what happened? Your good money skills went down the drain. Dad, what are you doing? Playing the ring game that he made, which is okay with me because he could definitely be fucking bitches right now. And he's playing a ring game in the kitchen. Leave my man. See, that man right there, even she knows this guy ain't got no chance. I mean, this guy is um, this guy is useless, only that he provides me with the shelter. And he keep he's going to keep having to pay the bills. He could be out here with the junior college. She even acknowledges that. But I'm sitting here comfy and cozy on this couch, and he can't do nothing. He can't leave me right now. My daughter, his daughter's in college. He can't stop paying the bills, or we're going to call him a deadbeat. So he's in a no-win. He's done. He probably ain't getting no sex from her. He probably don't want no sex from her. But he he's he can't do nothing. So he might be very good at putting money and socking it away in stock accounts and in crypto. He can be good as he he wants to be. But the minute she pulls the trigger, guess what? <laughs> For you young guys, let's talk about temporary women. All right, temporary women. We have to talk about the relationships because a lot of times these people can be Tremendous dream killers in your life. If you're under the age of 30, listen to me. Let's put it up. 32. If you're under the age of 32, every woman in your life is temporary. I want you to listen to this again. I'm saying this as a 46-year-old man. I'm an old man. At the age of 32, every woman in your life is is like, these people are not going to be a part of your life. Forever. I know it's hard for you to believe because you got a good attachment to a woman or you want to fall in love. And you think this person's going to be with you for the rest of your life. You might be able to get married before the age of 32. Statistically, this person's not going to be in part of your life by the time you hit 45, 50. All right. She's not going to be there. But let's just take it out of the context of a marriage and talk about the people that you get into short term relationships. Short term is anything under two years. You get into a short-term relationship with this person, odds are it's going to break up. 99% of relationships absolutely flounder. All right, 99%. People always say this is not true. I just say look at your statistics. Look at your statistics alone. You've been in 30, 40, 50 relationships or 10 or 20, however many, um, and all of them have failed. You're sitting here single right now. All right, so you're about you're batting 100. So 99% is, is uh, giving you at least a 1% chance. And that's pretty crappy for most people. But under the age of 32, by the time you hit your 40s and 50s, you won't even remember these people's names first or last. You'd be lucky. And this is if you're somewhat decent with women, right? Like you're not, you know, you're not a player or a pimp. You're regularly just a guy. I mean, you're not an ugly guy. You just regularly deal with women. They come and go. 
most of these people are absolutely temporary. You won't even remember them. I'm just asking you. I'm just telling you, old guys, old guys, chime in. Think about, <laughs> think about how many women. Well, okay, so say you're in your 40s. Think about some woman that you was involved with at 23. What's her first and last name? You have no idea, bro. <laughs> you be like, wait a minute. Her name was uh, Jill, Jamie, Jennifer. What was her last name? Oh, Anderson. I don't know. I have no idea. All right. People who I fornicated with don't even have a clue. And I don't want to even think people are like, what's your body count? I have no idea, man. I ain't keep track of none of that stuff. I can't even remember the names. I can remember the face or the situation. All right. But who knows? Who cares? These people aren't that important in the grand scheme of things because they're they're only there for a temporary amount of time. You might have even been in a relationship with them for six months. Like, what's the average relationship last? Three months, six, nine, and then you're on to the next. Then you have a couple of short, short term, and then a couple of weeks over here, and then it's the new relationship, five months, break up. <laughs> you're like, who? You won't remember them. However, here's the problem. We're talking about temporary women. A lot of you will give up your hopes and dreams for the opinion of a temporary woman. This is the important part. A lot of you will kill your own dreams or you'll allow that person to kill your dreams because this person sees a future in your life and she's giving you information that she has no experience or qualifications to give you. Only self-centeredness and selfishness to keep you from getting to a point where she wants, she's going to lose you if you follow that dream. So if you follow that dream, this temporary room, woman's going to cripple you. And she's not doing this because, well, she is doing this intentionally. But she believes you're going to be together forever. Most women get into relationships. They don't think it's going to break up. This is why they get hurt all the time. All right. And statistically, it's going to break up. You're temporary. And they always got their heart broken and they're always being the victim. Well, she's giving you information that's not helping you. It's helping her. And then eventually you'll break up and you'll figure out, damn, why did I, why did I listen to her? I could have went and done whatever I wanted to do. And I'm going to give you an example of this for people who have followed me. I've shared this story quite a bit, but I do this as a reminder. Some people are like, you just repeating yourself sometimes. You got to repeat, dude, come on, man. People, uh, pastors at church only got the Bible for, to work from. <laughs> Come on, like, like the Bible's been around for like 2,000 years. So um, here we go. A Canadian musician spent years thinking the school of his dreams. Dreams, there it is right here, didn't want him, but actually his ex-girlfriend, who was his girlfriend at the time, hid his, hid his admission to the university and sabotaged his career. So I could focus on my career. Okay. Same thing with basketball coaches. I mean, you only got a couple fundamentals to work with. All right. Now you're getting ridiculous. Three ball dribbling. Come on, man. Learn how to dribble one ball. <laughs> All right. Come on. So get back to the fundamentals. Jump stop. Pivot. No these. Uh, right here. Sabotage. Uh, girlfriend. Look at the look at all of the words in the article related to this. Sabotage, career, girlfriend, dreams. It's sitting right here. It's sitting right here. This is all the info you need. And I'll quickly go over the story just so you know. 
it says right here, a McGill University music student won a $350,000 Canadian, Canadian dollars, which is equivalent to 267,000 US dollars um, because he sued her after his former girlfriend, which was his girlfriend at the time, tampered with his music school acceptance email. It says, Eric, I can never pronounce his name, Abramovitz, Abramovitz, the musician had been accepted in 2014 to the study with Yuda Yehuda Gilad, one of the best clarinetists in the world in Los Angeles, almost 5,000 miles away from his girlfriend. It says Abramovitz sued for $300,000 in Canadian dollars and the courts awarded him an additional $50,000. So the, the gist of the story is his girlfriend did not want him to leave. His girlfriend's name, Jennifer Lee. His girlfriend of five months. <laughs> hey, his girlfriend of five months. Five months, gentlemen, five months. This is what I'm talking about. This is the stuff that I'm talking about. Temporary as hell. A five-month girlfriend is not barely, she barely a girlfriend. And because she's so selfish and self-centered, he's going to leave her. She sabotaged him. Five freaking months. It says right here, emailed Colburn from Abramovitz's account rejecting the offer and deleted the admissions email. The Montreal Gazette reports that Lee was scared her relationship with Abramovitz would end if he moved $5,000, uh, 5,000 miles away from Los Angeles to Los Angeles. It says here. Lee then made an email account in Galad's name, which is the instructor who was the world-class clarinetist writing as Gilad. Lee said Abramovitz hadn't been accepted, but he would be able to study at USC. And Lee knew the tuition at USC was out of her boyfriend's price range. And this is Abramovitz right here. I hope I'm saying his name right. And Abramovitz believed it all, and he ultimately stayed at McGill for his bachelor's degree. Two years later, the clarinetist learned what his ex-girlfriend did because at this point, they already broken up. Five months relationship, temporary. That's not a long relationship. Women are like, I was in a relationship. How long? Eight months? That ain't no damn relationship. It says right here, he learned what his ex-girlfriend did and he sued her for uh, 275 $267,000 for damages, including loss of reputation, loss of educational opportunity, and loss of two years of income potential. And then the Ontario Superior Court awarded him $350,000 in Canadian dollars, plus an additional fifty grand. And um, it says right now, he's now the assistant principal clar uh, clarinet, assistant principal clarinet at the Nashville Symphony. And Lee never showed up to court or responded to the statement of claims against her. She didn't even show up to court. She didn't even show up to court. And I guarantee you, he didn't get no money. He didn't get no money. I guarantee you, he didn't get no money. He won. He won the case. But she didn't even show up for the case. <laughs> she didn't even show up. If anybody wants to know the ethnicities of Jennifer Lee, um, well, she would be known as an Asian woman. She would be constitute what people would say is an Asian woman, but I don't know what specific country she would have come from, but she was in Canada. Uh, with that being said, a temporary woman, a temporary woman changed your entire career path, changed your entire life. 
Same thing happens when you impregnate a temporary woman. Again, under the age of 32, highly unlikely you'll be with this person uh, all the way into your 40s and 50s. It's highly unlikely. It's against all odds that you will be. Could you be? That's the hope strategy that we talked about. You hope you're together, but you cannot guarantee it. You couldn't even take it to the bank. You could even buy insurance to protect and guard against something like that. You can't even protect yourself. So with that being said, you hope you're together and you hope she doesn't do this, but you can't bank on it. And if you impregnate one of these women, odds are you're not going to raise the kid together. You're not going to do it unless the best chance you have is marriage. And even then it's not guaranteed. With that being said, but any women before the age of 32, they're going to be temporary. And never allow any of these women, let's just say, you get a chance to move across the country, start a business, move across the country, and take a job. That's going to put you in a better position in the next two years. All you got to do is make this move, and in two years, it'll start to pay off, which will change your life's trajectory significantly. But a temporary woman where you are is saying, oh, but don't leave me. What about me? What about, think about me. What are we going to do? How are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? We? We? <laughs> You're like, what do you mean we? This has nothing to do with you. Because odds are, somebody said, I would say 42. Yeah, I mean, even then, you can push it on up if you stay single. But you have nothing to do with this. You can choose to follow my ass here, but I don't even want you to do that because there's going to be some new women where I'm going. But I'm not going to stop what I'm doing, especially at a young age, for you. You're talking to a guy. I've moved across country four times for jobs. All right. And I picked up and left, picked up and left for better opportunities. And the opportunities always, always worked in my advantage. Many of the times that um, the opportunities worked against me is related to women. Okay. Uh, was related to my marriage. So I took, uh, I took jobs where I did have to move my family a couple times. And um, all the time, the biggest saboteur in those moves was the woman. The wife gave me the most trouble during these moves. Now, when I was moving by myself and I was single, it was nothing. I went down, I hunkered down for two or three months. Cause you know, when you move the first two or three months is rough. You got to eat top ramen. Your, your mattress ain't in right. All your furniture ain't in right. You adjusting to everything. It's a little awkward where if you're bringing a woman with you, they're not willing to go through those first two or three months of just awkwardness. Everything's like falling apart and crumbling around them. <laughs> right. They're like, oh my God. You know, economically, it costs you 20 grand to make the move. And they don't realize that that's a big chunk of money what's required to make a move. And they're just like, wow, why is it taking so long? Why is the paycheck so long? You know, it takes you six weeks to get paid. So it's, it's some of those things that those people begin to sabotage your experience. It makes the experience so much more difficult because you're like, damn, I got to keep her happy. I got to keep her happy and keep her stable so that the then they're like, y'all moving all over the place for you. And this is like, Jesus. Would you relax? It's going to be OK. They never see anything long term, so they tend to sabotage your experience. And you're only here trying to tra uh, bla uh, tra <laughs> tra blaze a trail. That's what I meant to say. You're just trying to blaze a trail. You're just trying to put yourself in a better position. Men typically don't have a problem with picking up and moving. Men that have problems picking up with move and moving probably are single mother raised men. 
most men in the history of our world oftentimes picked up and moved after they became an adult. Either they joined a military and they went and kicked up dust somewhere else and established a new permanent residence. This is how men and Vikings, I mean, think about the Vikings. Think about people, the, the English and the Spaniards. Think about the first Africans that came to the American coast and the Caribbean. Think about um, think about all these people, uh, the Polynesians that got on little uh, life rafts, right, to uh, go all the way from New Zealand all the way to Hawaii. Think about it. The amount of men that just picked up and left and started off where they got has been crazy. The amount of people, Lewis and Clark, all of the people that went from the uh, Mississippi River all the way west. Men have picked up the Aborigines. Um, men have always historically picked up and established uh, the best situation for themselves somewhere else. Not right there up under sitting in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, waiting for the opportunities to fall in your lap. Okay. That's not how men have been. Men don't do it that way. Now, women typically stay wherever they at. <laughs> and the barbarian comes in and hatchets away, and then they submit. Women are typically scared of doing something like that. But getting back to this point, getting back to this point, yeah, think about what do you call it? Christopher Columbus and all of them, the, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. They got on a damn boat in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. All right. I mean, that took some guts. Right. I mean, come on, man. Who's doing that? Who's doing that? But I don't care if you say it's real or not, but it, it is what it is. All you know is men are nomadic. Men do go. Men are not afraid to go to other places and then try to figure out how to fight off whoever's there. With this being said, a lot of you young men, unfortunately, this isn't the time for you to look for love before you improve yourself. You have to improve yourself. You have to improve yourself way before you think about providing anything to women. That's just what it is. Otherwise, you're going to put yourself behind the eight ball. And I know you guys are believing that you're entitled to a great love story. And you can have them if you understand love stories are like the World Wrestling Federation. Okay. It's temporary. It's scripted. It's very much scripted. It's entertainment. It's fun. But don't try this at home. Don't try this at home. It's a little bit dangerous. Because the love does run out. And then you're stuck in between, you know, if you have kids and the love runs out, then you got to kind of front and fake it. You know, you got to fake your way through it. Most people that are married today, they're faking their way through it. And that's just the part of it. But a lot of you guys think you're entitled to this. And I say you can create this. You can create this narrative if you'd like. Uh, the only time that this is pretty much, um, you know, love is actually authentic is puppy love. You know, that teenage love, a teenage love. That right there is the most authentic you're going to get. When you're 16 and she's 16 and you guys just can't stop touching each other, you can barely try to get a dip in, or right? you'd be lucky to get a sniff, right? and you just around her. You just want to be around her. You got blue balls for days. You're just hoping one day the atmosphere, uh, the, the clouds are going to part. You just hope one day both of you are alone. I just want to be alone with you. You just think one of these days, my mama ain't going to be here. My daddy ain't going to be here. Her mama, her daddy ain't going to be here. And y'all could just get at it. But it never happens. Mm. Y'all never, y'all never alone. 
You be trying to take her to the park in the dark. Hey, uh, let's go to the park and get on the swings. You be all, you be all on the damn park bench. Any damn thing. Somebody backseated somebody Jeep. Anything on a mattress in the back of the alley. Let's do it here. All right. You just like. <laughs> so you just hoping that you can get a little bit of a stroke. And then by the time you set it up to get the stroke in, guess what happens? She'd be like, oh, I don't want to. I want it to be perfect. I want it to be rose petals, big old heart shaped bed. Uh, you know what we call it? Bubble bath. She wants it perfect. She don't want it back in the old damn alley on the mattress. She'll let Tyrone hit it there, but she ain't letting you hit it there. <laughs> so, so with that being said, the most authentic love you're going to feel is those years that you just want to be around her, but you're not really satisfying yourself like you would like. But past that, hell no. Past that, hell no. You might find a ride or die. But the whole point of this one is the dream killer is you approach love first and you're not complete as a man. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way, guys. You can't you can't be incomplete as a man and think women are going to love you. Every now and then you might find some homeless dude that got a ride or die chick and a dog and you wonder how they surviving. And she just roaming the streets with the dog and he. It's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, there are some people like that. Not many women in today's modern dating are going to put up with that type of stuff. If you really wanted a chance, this is why we tell you to live the free agent lifestyle because it doesn't exclude women, but what it does is it gives you leverage and options. And what you'll do is once you get to the point where you feel like you're complete as a person or you've built yourself, you'll look back and you'll go, I wouldn't even give these people the time of day. But you would have when you were incomplete, okay? Your dating standards when you're incomplete are significantly different than your dating standards when you're somewhat complete. And a lot of women don't understand that. So they'll tell you, no, I want to wait for you at the finish line. But when I get to the finish line and I won the race, you're in line with 80,000 women. So you think you qualify for me when I, when I start winning, but I, you don't qualify when I'm starting to win, I'm one, all right? I don't have to settle for you. And so this is the problem that they don't understand. They want winners, but um, winners often have concubines and harems. Winners don't have to be monogamous. I don't have to follow the rules. I won. I don't have to commit to you because my commitment to you is based on you bringing me something. Well, the things that you're bringing me, I don't need, right? I've flown myself to Paris. I've done Greece. I've island hopped. I've done all of that. Um, so let's take that point down. I know we don't really talk about women on money mindset, but I had to talk about that part of the dream killer. And uh, before I continue the show, I meant to talk about this. Remember, um, I talked about the Skittles community is going to change the age of consent. Remember, I was talking about that. I did find something that somebody said I need to play that. Remember, I was talking about the Skittles community is going to change the age of consent and such because that's part of their culture. And I'm not saying something that's out of bounds. This is something that they fully admit to, especially on the male side, on the male side, is that um, in their community, young men, as they become to experience their choice, not their choice or whatever they want to say, how they become that. They typically don't have other young men around to participate in this lifestyle, and they will be involved with older men and typically they will do this online or they'll walk on the street and older men like that it's the it happens right 
So I think there was a movie, American Beauty. No, 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 they didn't have that part in the scene. There was another movie that did have that kind of in the scene. But um, getting back to the point, there's an actor named Ezra Miller. There's a, uh, what do they call it, man boy? Uh, there's an actor called Ezra Miller. And I believe he's in the movie The Flash, if I'm not mistaken. Is this true? He's in the movie The Flash. Now, yeah, he's in the movie The Flash. So what hap what's happening now is he basically initiated a relationship, a relationship with a young boy that they're saying he, he groomed him. He knew the boy. I think, let me go back down here and see where I can pull up the data. Oh, that's the, is this the article that I want to read from? I have two up here. Oh, here it is right here. And so it says here, he allegedly, I'll read it right here. It says, um, it says Miller was recently arrested twice in the space of only a month in Hawaii under charges of harassment and assault. A couple uh, later, a couple later, a couple later filed a, a restraining order against the actor after reportedly threatening to burn and kill the pair. So he going crazy. Just recently, the parents of an 18-year-old, Dakota, Dakota Iron Eyes, Dakota Iron Eyes, I guess that's the boy's name, filed a complaint to the Standing Rock Sioux Tribal Court to accuse Miller of grooming their child. It says the two first met when Miller was 23 and Iron Eyes was only 12. Again, so we're seeing a lot of these things getting passed by, and unfortunately, women are leading the parade. Oh, let them do it. Women taking their kids to watch these people uh, do these things. Oh, what's the worst that could happen, all right? Um, and then it goes here, and people are like, oh, I didn't really think that was going to happen, all right? This is why, I mean, you follow women on this. Uh, they were going to get you, they're going to get your ass in the pickle, all right? But uh, it says right here, the first, the first met. Uh, it says the, the two first met when Miller was 23 and Iron Eyes was only 12. And the parents claim the Hollywood star used, quote, violence, intimidation, the threat of violence, fear, paranoia, delusions, and drugs to hold sway over her. Her. What is this a female? What is going on here? <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me read the article. Look, what is going on here? I want you to see the, the way they uh, phrase this article. Here it is right here. The Flash's Ezra Miller reacts to allegations against them, them, by posting memes. Them. Allegations against them. And so, this is right here. I'm like, I'm thoroughly confused. What in the world? It says right here, according to, uh, hold on, am I on the right story again? At the current time, the court has been able to locate Miller, but they have responded to allegations by sharing memes on Instagram. It says the Flash actor Ezra Miller uh, shared several memes on their on their Instagram. <laughs> oh, <shit>. mm. <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> I can't keep up with what is going on. Who are y'all talking about? Where is the world going? I can't even make sense of this article. Hold on. I'm not, I'm not laughing at them. I'm just literally like, who are y'all talking about? Let me, let me go down again. I'm trying to figure out who are we talking about? Okay, hold on for a second. The Flash actor Ezra Miller shared several memes on their Instagram story. 
in response to allegations of grooming 18-year-old climate activist Dakota Iron Eyes when she was a minor. So it's a woman? Oh, my. What? I don't even know. I can't even assume that it's a it's a girl because the person might claim to be. According to TMZ, Iron Eyes' parents accused Miller of supplying the underage climate activist with alcohol, marijuana, and LSD while also using violence to sway over her. Her. What are we doing here? And uh, basically, he's playing like, you can't touch me. I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet that the, the person in question here is not a biologically born. Well, how much you want to bet? How much you want to bet? I'm going to look it up. I bet you, let me see, Dakota, Iron Eyes. Oh, maybe I'm wrong here. Let me see. Oh, it's a woman. Uh, it appears to be. It appears to be. She's here, though. Oh. Oh. Whoa. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. This is the person in question here. Oh, she's next to this one here. She's next to, what's this girl's name? She's this girl. How dare you? So he done ran off. He done ran off with her. Uh, her right here. And he holding her hostage. But this is the person that's holding this person hostage. Yeah, something don't add up with this story right here. Something ain't added up. Greta Thunberg. Greta Thunberg, Thornburg, whatever her name is. How dare you? Something ain't adding up with this story here. We don't know the whole story, but the regardless, the point being made is these people are going to be able to do what they want to do, claim that, hey, this is a part of our culture, and they're going to have people not hold them accountable for it, and they're just going to hide. I don't think a lot of men could get away with this, although that one dude got away with it, and he left America. What was that dude's name? He was the director. Polanski? Roman Polanski did that, too? All right, and he was like, the hell with that. I'm out of here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it could be done, but I think what's going to happen is over time, within the next 10 to 20 years, I think, and this isn't something I want you guys to hold on to, I think the age of consent is going to be lowered to, to navigate the lifestyle choices of people in that field. Now, I know you guys, some people are like, hell yeah, no, it ain't going to work how you think it's going to work. <laughs> it ain't going to work how you think it's going to work. So you guys got to be careful. It's a weird world we're going into. And based on Coach Jadamis's predictions, this is where we're going. All right, we're going to go uh, to the sponsors of today's show. The Dictator says Chicken Noodle Soup and Hot Sauce Fund. All right, I did lemons and honey. I've been working on my voice. <clears throat> me, 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 me. I've been working on my voice. But chicken noodle soup is coming up. I think we'll see how I feel tomorrow. I might take this afternoon or this evening and tomorrow morning off. We'll see. Shout out to Gemini Ryder. He says, yo, oh, yo, husband. We're going to have to clip that. Simon Small back in the building. He says, for the gospel of the free agent lifestyle collection plate. Indeed, we're going to call you MB Kelly is in the, in the building with a co-sponsorship. It's actually over co-sponsorship. We'll call it a sponsorship. Appreciate you, sir. 
for being here. Who else is in here? The King Sky will call you. MPI. Uh, shout out to you. A man supporting men is in the building. Thank you, MPI. Thank you for having uh for for having the patience with us with the super chats. MPI's been here for a long time. And thanks for hitting me up on the Cash App. We do have a couple of more PayPals. Just got to figure out where I left off. Uh, we left off right about here. Mr. Uh, Rice says, yesterday was my birthday. Went to the Yankee games, and it was full of the George W. Bush community, community junior college girls at the stadium. He was like, oh, boy. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, Mr. Rice. Did you have Jasmine Rice? He probably was like, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Everybody's like, you pervs. Now, we ain't going for that over here. We ain't going for that. We we already ruined that one. Y'all want to come over here and call us all kind of names. All you These young girls, these girls are kids. No, they're not. We've already ruined all of this, but you can disagree if you want. <laughs> all right. Uh, attraction is attraction. <laughs> and legal. All right. So anyway, shout out to Mr. Austin in the building. He says these females will learn the hard way that selling themselves and turning tricks is detrimental to their health. Yes, and absolutely the worst way. It's ultimately not worth it. Health is everything. Yes, indeed. Uh, the mental health component related to uh, multiple sexual partners for men and women is not studied enough. I think men can have multiple sexual partners. I know this is where women, but that's not true and that's not fair. The, 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 the three words that women will always use. Well, that's not fair. And I'll say, talk to God. I mean, I don't have nothing to do with this. There was a 50-50 chance that I would be born male or female, and I was born male. Now, there's things that don't work for me that works for you. I don't get to be played in a victim. Nobody cares how I'm feeling. I got to get up and work every day. I got to be able to provide to qualify for women. That's not fair. Yeah, you don't want to hear that. Okay, you don't want to hear that. They always think they get in the short end of the stick. Like, literally, you cannot work your entire life if you choose. You'd be like, work? Hell no. Why do I have to work? I am sexy. I am sexy. You literally could do that. Now, some women are like, well, I don't want to do that. I want my own money. And you want to be married? You're, you're dumb. There's no such thing as your own money in a marriage. All right, you'll find that out during the divorce. Okay, but that's your money. When you, when you, Marry you co you co uh co mingle funds. That's not your own money. You could do that with a bum simp husband, all right. But you can't do that according to the law. Just a reality check. But when it comes to multiple sexual partners, women can't handle it. They cannot. Ha they cannot come out unscathed. And there's data to prove to back this up. There's gonna be some damage that look. <laughs> there's gonna be some damage. Some leftover. There's going to be some leftover residue, mental residue that they're never going to overcome. That's going to be a traumatic experience, especially when they're selling themselves. These poor girls on Seeking Arrangements and OnlyFans, we're going to see, trust me, we're going to see uh, in 20 years the residual effect of this, this OnlyFans seeking and multiple sexual part. We're going to see the residue, residual effect of this. And it's going to cause a mental health crisis of epic proportions. Like we're already experiencing this now with millennials and Generation Z, young, older Generation Z women. They're already 
mentally health uh messed up. What was the one girl? Um uh Billy Eyelash. Billy Eyelash came out and said she'd been watching prawn since she was 10 years old. And she says, I've been damaged from it. Let me pull up the article. Billy Eyelash. Let me see. Yeah, this is Billy Eyelash right here. I can't tell. It's Bill, is this, a, this is a woman, right? Or I don't know what she pronoun. I don't know. I'm trying to not. I'm trying to be good. This is Billy Eyelash. All right. So, uh, uh-oh. I don't know if I can click on this. Uh, let me see here. Here's the article right here. I should have I should have not clicked on it before. I should have not shared the screen before I clicked on the damn link. All right, there was some stuff. Uh, Billy Eyelash right here. Uh, she says right here, what does she say? Billy Eyelash says, uh, watching prawn from age 11 really destroyed my brain. And so young girls today have been exposed to these things. They've seen some things before they were protected from seeing these things. Now they've seen it. Um, have you ever been with, um, <laughs> yeah, that was close, huh? Oh, I would have clicked on something and they would have yanked this stream down. Cause you know, they watching, they would have like, what yank, uh, but you know, they watching. Have you ever been with a younger woman? Let's say 18 to 21. She jumps in her bed. She jumps in your bed. All right. I'm going to tell you this story. You guys in all. You guys can all figure this out. I don't know. Maybe you can't because if you're younger, you don't know. When, 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 um, like you, she jumps in your bed and all of the things she does looks like, like it's, she's mimicking pornography. She's not mimicking anything intimate. Like most of the experiences is what she's watched. And she thinks this works on you because this works in prawn. And you're like, what are you doing? You're not even doing that good. You know, they get up there, they be trying to wiggle and shake and twerk and all of that. And you're like, ma'am, don't do that. <laughs> you look awkward doing it. Relax. They doing it all fast. And you're like at amateur night at the first strip club. You're like, what is this? Slow down, ma'am. Look a little more innocent. And everything they're doing to you, it mimics, it looks like it's a prawn movie. And you're like, what are you doing? You can do this. You can do without all this stuff. Just just lie on your back. And uh, yeah, they up there doing the splits on you. You're like, you don't need to do all that. <laughs> we don't need to do the splits on me. It's okay. She's like, no, wait, wait, watch this. I'm going to try it. <laughs> so what happens is these people are going through these things. They're seeing this. And by the time they do it, they want to practice on you. And they're not really getting pleasure out of this. They just think you're getting pleasure out of it because they think you're a Mickey Mouse brain person that's going to get pleasure off this because people see it on prom. But um, this is what happens when they're exposed to this. And then it goes on once they get the sexual partners. I don't think they're built for this. I know people think times are different now. No, they're not. No, they're not. Times are not different. We've been programmed biologically for the last 200,000 years to act accordingly. It's in our DNA. It's in our mental. Like we're born with this. We can't just change it and flip it on its head in the last 20 years. So if we just say, okay, women can have as many sexual partners as they can. Okay, so yeah, go ahead and try. And guess what? 
20 years later, they sitting in a in a uh, lonely ass kitchen wondering why they can't find no man. And graduated from college with my bachelor's at 20 with a degree in communication sciences with an emphasis in speech and language pathology. How come I can't find no man? Well, you know, it's. We can't just change it by just saying change it. Then there's going to be an impact. And then just look at the data. You have a lot of people who are struggling with mental health. People aren't connecting the, the dots. Connect the dots. You can't just have multiple partners like that jump on and off and think it is going to be okay. You think you can, but you can't. And the data is showing that a lot of these people that go through these uh, lifestyle cycles, they're the ones end up, I'm not happy. <laughs> you can disagree if you want. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, connect the dots where, where it lasts. All right, so sorry to go off on that tangent. It's just a little bit sad that people won't admit where the faults are. I mean, there's it's too much, too many damn traps out here. Hmm. Yeah. So let me do a couple more uh, PayPal's before I got I got sidetracked. Sorry about that. YouTube super chat. It says life is like a sandwich. No matter how you flip it, the bread comes first. I like that. That's from my man SW. We're gonna call you uh, Strife. We'll call. I think you call. What's your name? I can't remember. I'm not gonna give up your government name. He says, life is like a sandwich. No matter how you flip it, the bread comes first. Men, I know it's unfair for you. I know you think modern women are crazy for asking you to have X, Y, and Z, but you got to get you got to get your money first. They're, they're somewhat right on it. The Gentleman Code, shout out to you for the brothers we wish. He says, for the brother we wish you. Wait. Sorry. For the brother we all wish we had. Keep up the great content. This is the gentleman code on YouTube. Thank you, man. The gentleman code for the brother we wish we all had. Yeah, man, I, I'm glad I'm able to say these things to you guys. I know it's not in private. You know, people come here and they want to wish me, wish and pray and pray for my downfall <laughs> and say that I'm wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, most ladies, most women, you don't even know the truth around men. Men been lying to you since the beginning. And then when you find out they've been lying to you, you feel demoralized and depressed. And I'm a guy that's not lying to you. Men lie to you so they don't hurt your feelings. Men lie to you because if we if we tell you the truth, um, you're going to say this is some sort of misogyny, so we got to be quiet in public. Oh, don't tell her, don't tell her. And so most of the time you walk off of every conversation thinking you won the argument or that you were right. Then you bully us into making you right. You can't say that to me, and this is this, and, you, and then you can call names. So most of the time, you think you were told the truth uh, from men. Most of the time, they've been lying to your face. And I can say that with 100% <laughs> correctness. Men been lying to you. Then when you find the one guy that doesn't want to lie to you, you think this guy's off of his rocker. You're like, what? What kind of man are you? And this dude telling you the honest to God truth unfiltered, unabashed, unabbreviated. <laughs> and guess what happens? You think that guy is the dishonest one. He was the honest one. He was the one you should have listened to. Last one from Joey. Uh, Joey ST or Joey Street. Shout out to you. Coach, one thing I've learned about chess is you may see a checkmate threat, one move and forget about it or get overly confident and get wrecked by the same thing a couple of moves later. 
Stay diligent with your philosophy, gentlemen, and solidify your code on the daily. Thank you for these streams, coach. Thank you, sir. I'm going to call you Joey Street, I believe it is, or Joey Saint. I'm not sure what it is, but I've seen your name before. Let me get back to the show before we get really, really off track. Dream killer number five was looking for love first, then try to improve yourself. That's a dream killer. That's going to lead to a lot of disappointment. And putting your faith in the temporary women, any woman under the age of 32 is absolutely temporary most times, all right? At best, you're going to get two years out of her. But if you look at, add that up between the ages of 16 and 32, that's 16 years. That person was around at best for two years. That's short term. Do not put your life, the eggs, don't put your eggs in her life basket. She's not going to be around. You can discard her. You can leave her behind. If she catches up to your ass, let her catch up. All right, but do not change your life for this person. Dream killer number four, normie, friends, and family. Okay, normie, friends, and family. These people are going to mess up your life like crazy. And the one phrase that they're going to say, especially family, is um, family is everything. Blood over blood over money or whatever the hell they're going to say. Some of these little phrases that are going to make you not follow your passions. All right. So a lot of you guys love family. You love family reunions, right? Uh, you love you love hanging out with your family and going to the park picnic. But many times your family are just a bunch of normies that never really did anything significantly that had a lot of risk. If you wanted to be something like you know, get the bag, be an entrepreneur. Most of the time you understand it's going to take risk. Like what I do is a risk and it's a risk to my normie family. My normie family might have a few people, a few men that might agree with me on these things and they'll agree in silence and from a distance. They'll never be like, hey man, look at Coach Greg Adams, man. He's a part of my family. No, no probably none of my family members would go off and be like, yeah, he's my guy, right? <laughs> But I take a risk. I mean, even my immediate family be still looking at me like, hmm. And then they see me winning. <laughs> and they never get on board and be like, hey, let's push you closer to your goals. Let me get on board and let me help you. Nope, they just sit here and watch you like this. Maybe hold on for a second. Let me see here. Uh, let's see here. Where's Martin Luther? They be looking at me like this. And so what has, what has to happen is so I'm taking a risk. I'm actually doing a lot of work and I'm doing something that is outside of the norm of earning money. It's outside of the norm of, you know, get a job nine to five and do this for 40 years. And then you're ready to die at age 36. So they're looking at you, but they're never really on board. This go, go, go for anything. You're making money, you're doing something, but they're never really like, hey, let's make this part of a family business or we'll help you. And with that being said is they don't know how to quite navigate this and neither are they willing to learn. They're not willing to learn because they don't think outside of the box. They're afraid of taking risks. They rather just have family. And what I understand about family is this family is cool, but family is great. Temporarily. They are great from a distance. They're, they're not always good when you're there. Say for instance, you have a big family and you're all there and you have all of the normal family dust up, the little ignorant stuff, the fights, the family clicks and all of that stuff where you look forward to a family event, but there's nothing but drama. There's nothing but drama. You're sitting there like, oh, blood is thicker than water. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. 
Mike Hawk is in the building. There's jealousy. There's content. There's uh, people trying to sabotage other family members, uh, fights. You know, there's ignorant things that last for, um, especially with female family members. These things could last for decades. And you find out that this group of family members don't like this group of family members, right? But you've given up all of your hopes and dreams to stay around stuff like this instead of leave. Because you think that this is more important than anything. Well, how does that even work? Most of these people haven't done any of the ideas that you think you're going to do. And once you say you're going to go off and try it, first thing they're going to do is kill it. No, man, kill all that noise. What about us? What about family? They want you to stay plugged in with them. It's more comfortable. They don't understand what it's going to take to start something like start your own business or start your own landscaping business or learn how to paint walls. Or They don't have a clue. They've always worked at their little job and came home at 5 o'clock, grabbed a beer, sat in their recliner, and watch the damn football game. That's all they know. And they're not going to support you in this. So you're going to start selling uh, Herbalife. You're going to start selling real estate. You're going to start selling insurance. Guess who's not going to buy? Your family. The only time your family might buy is if you're Mormon <laughs> or you Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern or something like that. Other than that, white. Hispanic, Latina, maybe Asian, I, I would assume. Other than that, they ain't going to buy. They ain't buying none of your little multi-level marketing bullshit. They're not buying your loose salesman job. Hey, I sell shoes and suits over here. Why don't y'all come? And then you hand all your cards out. You hand your little cards out that are uh, magnets on refrigerator. Why don't you come buy your sh shoes and suits over here? They will sell. They will send not one person over there to uh, sell shoes or buy shoes. Matter of fact, what you're going to find out is that when you give them your information and you sell suits over here, they'll buy three suits from somebody else. Oh, man, I forgot. I forgot you were selling suits. And I'm like, how do you forget? You talk crap about me selling suits all the time. Every time I'm around, you asking me, how's some suit selling going? You selling any suits? I bet you ain't selling no suits. They had plenty of ish to talk about you selling suits. But now you selling suits over here. They won't even buy the suits from you. They buy the suits from somebody else. And then, oh, man, I forgot, Sean. I forgot you were selling suits. Next time, Sean, I'm going to buy some suits from you, Sean. <laughs> you're like, bruh, I was waiting, man. I needed this. So what you're going to find is your family is not going to support you at first. They're going to wait till you become very uh very big, and then they'll throw their support from you. And then now by that point, it's meaningless. It's absolutely meaningless. It doesn't mean anything because now you don't need them anymore. And now you're looking at them like, okay, now you want to get on. This is what family members do. Unfortunately, not all of them, but the vast majority of them do because they're normies. They don't think outside the box. And you can't blame them for it because you would probably be doing the same thing if you were plugged in in the normie. You'd be like, oh, I ain't going to buy no insurance from them. Yeah. This is just how it works when you're plugged in. If you don't have any experience being an entrepreneur or understanding how commission works in sales, you just don't understand, right? You're selling cars. They don't buy a car from you. You sell real estate. They don't use you as an agent. <laughs> you're like, even when they could have used you for free and they was going to buy a house, you'd be like, dude, my, I'm, used, I'm free to you. I'm the, you're the buyer's agent. Everything I do is absolutely free. You don't have to pay me a dime. Just use me. They won't use you. You're like, wow. 
But when you make it big, then they want to call back. Hey, man, why don't you help me with this? And I see you doing that. Same thing with friends. Normie friends are dangerous. If you do move away, they'll say, man, you're going to leave me in our friendship? Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. But they think that your friendship is going to last forever. I'm going to ask you guys. Or, yeah, they want discounts. Uh, that's the other thing about the family. They want discounts and they want it for free. Hey, man, hook me up. That's that's a low life. All right. You should be putting in more or you charging way more than I could get. I could get it cheaper over here. Yeah, but I'm, I'm family, right? Blood is, blood is thicker than water. Blood is thicker than money. Why, why would you complain about the prices? But they'll complain about the prices. Man, I'll just go over here and get it for cheaper. All right. Again, um, this is the people who you're hinging your future on. This type of mindset. Uh, let's go to your family, uh, your friends, your normie friends. Uh, these people think that they're going to be your friends forever. No, you're temporary, especially if I'm under the age of 32. I can find, dude, there's friends everywhere. You're going to meet people everywhere. You can leave this damn country right now. You'll meet cool ass people that you wish you would have known for your whole life. But many of you guys stay around for your friends and your friends drag you down. Because you're maturing Socially, you're maturing financially, you're maturing in your mindset, and they're still stuck in their same ways, right? They're still stuck there. So when you hang out, guess what you talk about? All the stuff you talked about when you were in your 20s. Same bullshit. Same bullshit. Hey, man, remember when we used to do and remember this and remember that? Yeah, man, I'm past all that. I'm not trying to rehash the same conversations over and over again. Have you been with friends and family? And you rehash the same bullshit all day, every day. Every day you see them, you rehashing the same BS. All right? Same old soup, just reheated. You with your girlfriend right now, rehashing the same conversation. You're with your wife right now, rehashing the same conversations that you have had for the last 12 years. Mm. What needs to, we don't need to talk about this. I need to talk about something else. <laughs> man, forget about all that. I ain't trying to talk about that. And remember, man, oh, man, this is old school, man. Y'all don't remember nothing like that. We used to go down to the corner store. Remember we used to go down to the corner store? Man, who cares about the corner store? I want to talk about that when I want to talk about it. <laughs> right? right now, I don't want to talk about that. Can we talk about something new? So this is part of growth. And your dream, kill, your dream gets killed. When you're stick around with these people, yeah, you need good people in your life. But sometimes, sometimes these people got to grow with you. If they're unwilling to grow with you or at least see that you're the leader in this growth and they say, hey, man, let's do let's get on board with this. And they don't grow with you. They're going to pull you down. Right. So they also have this no new friends. OK, no new friends. But, you know, that's not always true. No new close friends. So as you get up and you start rising, you don't need no close friends, but you do need new people in your life to keep you elevated. You got to be elevating. <laughs> you got to elevate. Some of your normie friends, they're just comfortable where they are. And it's okay if you're a person that's comfortable where you are. It couldn't be me, though. If you drew a line, I'm going to pull up a you. If you drew a line to see in my life, to see how I got to this point, you would be you would be amazed. And a lot of you people had never left Tupelo, Mississippi, and you're expecting all this success to rain down on your head. Okay, I'm going to pull up a U.S. map. <laughs> the path to get here was not taken 
by by some lucky ass chance, but me just sitting here popping off on YouTube. All right. Most of you guys would not even come close to navigating the uh, opportunities like this. You wouldn't even come close. Let me see if I can do this here. Oh, this is a little bit. This is can I blow this up? You wouldn't become close to take the risks that I took. All right. But a lot of you guys like to be stationary. And could it work for you stationary wise? It could. Most of the time it won't. You got to move somewhere. Let me see if I can share this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> All right. Just as a means of motivation. Now, you don't have to do it like this. You don't have to do it like this. All right. I started off here. Wisconsin to California. California to Louisiana. Louisiana to Northern California. Northern California back to Southern California. Southern California to Utah. Utah to New York. New York to New Mexico. New Mexico back to California. California, next move, potentially Nevada or Texas. Let me see if I left anything off. I think I got that right chronologically. And that was all over a 20, 25-year period, <laughs> right? All over, and I was not afraid to take the risk. I'm like, let me go over here, see if that could work out. And it worked out. Most of the moves that I made was a step up. It was just step up, step up, step up. The only move that I made that was a step down was New York to New Mexico. <laughs> that was uh, that was New York to New Mexico. Was like a lateral move or a slight step down. Every move improved my situation. It improved my situation and it allowed me, but I didn't wait for stuff to, I didn't wait stuff to hit, hit me where I was. A lot of normie people wait for the opportunities to hit, but your opportunities are limited where you are. Your opportunities are very limited. Now, at some age, at some point, you can settle in. But once you're like 20 or 30, man, you need to be on the go. You need to be on the go. If you're not on the go and you're trying not trying to find opportunities, you're gonna you're gonna miss. <laughs> I don't like Mississippi. I don't have no problem with Mississippi, but Mississippi people are different. Mississippi people are different. I'm different. Yeah, I'm different. Mississippi people are different as hell, bro. I I drove through Mississippi. I tell you this story all the time. I drove through Mississippi. I've been to every state on the on the continental United States, all right, plus Hawaii, except for Alaska. I've been to every one of these states. I've been to the backwoods, the back areas of all of these states, all right? I've been to every major city. There's not one that I haven't been to. Um, I've been to some small towns you never heard of. I literally was driving through Mississippi. <laughs> and um, there was people look like picking cotton, on a on a farm, I don't know what you called it. There was, I was looking. I I wanted to pull over. I said, uh, <laughs> I was like, uh, I thought it was Juneteenth. I thought I was gonna start Juneteenth. I said, uh, do y'all know that uh, slavery has ended? Are y'all aware or not? You know, I'm just sitting there. I was like, they had the hat on and everything with the cotton bag and all that stuff. I was like, 
somebody said, don't pull over. They literally would do. Somebody says, I thought I had to check my car to see if I was not in a DeLorean. I thought if I stopped, they would have pulled my ass over and gave me a satchel. All right. They would have been like satchel with your ass up. And I would have been on the side of the road like. Mm, 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 mm. I was like, yo. But I was like, it got to be picked. Cotton's got to be picked. It ain't like cotton got, went out of business. People need still need T-shirts. And who's going to pick the cotton? I was like, yo. <laughs> they was like, oh, you, we got a new slave in the town. I was like, no, 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 no. What y'all talking about? Hey, uh, right here. Where your free man papers at? No, I'm driving this DeLorean right here. <laughs> and people in Mississippi know I ain't lying. They had a plant, they had a cotton field, and there was some people picking it. I was like, <laughs> oh snap. I was like, y'all ain't got no cotton gin or what? What? <laughs> so that's how Mississippi is, man. That's how Mississippi is. Mississippi is a throwback. They about 25 years behind everybody else. Alabama is kind of like that too, depending on where you are in Alabama. They about 20 years behind everybody else. 20 years. They might have caught up now because of social media, but back in the early 2000s, maybe like 2205, like like 2005, they is 20 years behind. 20. Like, God, dog. <laughs> Somebody says uh, 50 years or 50 50. And depending on what county you in, they back, they back years or decades. So it's crazy out there, man. Shout out to the people in the South. Yeah, dude, somebody did. I did pull over and I saw somebody, they was, they had a break. They had a break and they was uh, playing music and it started off like this. I can do some shuffling too. Look out, man, what, what you going to do? do? Look out, boys, it's coming through. Yeah, man, yeah, man. <laughs> he said, coach talking about the rural areas. Yeah, I mean, hold on. The rural areas of Mississippi. Okay, there's one major city in Mississippi. That would be Jackson. And then Oxford is, it's a small town. Everything else is going to be rural. Every Everything after that. What's the other big city in Mississippi? Tupelo? <laughs> What other big city is in, oh, Waynesboro? <laughs> what? what uh, Hattiesburg, Biloxi. Okay. I know Mississippi people mad. I done pissed off the Mississippi. Biloxi? All right, let's look up the population. This is when the show diverges. Biloxi, Biloxi population. Biloxi. Are these big cities? I said big cities. Big cities. Okay, the population in Biloxi, Mississippi is 46,680. There's neighborhoods. <laughs> There's neighborhoods in New York that got there's people there's 46,000 people in pro housing projects in New York City there's 46,000 people in 
in, in school districts. I know people are there, but that's not a big city. That's not a big city. That That's country still. You in the country. What else? Y'all had Green, what was it, Greenville? Hold on for a second. Gulfport. <laughs> Gulfport. Been down to Gulfport. 71,000. 71. 71,000. 71,000 people in Gulfport. Yeah, that's not going to be city. That's that's still that's still small town. So, uh Greenville. People in Mississippi pissed off. They like, "Man, why you going in on us, man?" Greenville, Mississippi. That's one of them cities you get pulled over by the police. And he come out in the heat of the night. He come out looking like old ass um, sheriff. <laughs> well, I can't remember, forget. I, uh, what's the name of sheriff from the in the heat of the night? In the heat of the night. I can't believe I forgot his name. Sheriff Gillespie. <laughs> yeah. Roscoe Pico train pull over. You pull your ass over with the big ass hat. Sheriff Gillespie, get out the car. Where you going, boy? <laughs> he come out with the boots on, the big ass belt with the belt buckle. He come out spitting tobacco. Tobacco. Where you going, boy? You know all the everything that they say. Everything that they say just is a run on. Like you don't hear no division of the word. Where you going, boy? You know around here. You know around him. You know you ain't gonna be around him. <laughs> you can take your ass on around him. You be like, get, 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 get. <laughs> you know what they do around one line around him. <laughs> your ass take your ass to the slammer. All right. And it's like one it's like one building, and they got two jail cells. <laughs> it's you. And Otis that check his ass in when he's drunk. Everything closed by six o'clock. Sonic 7-Eleven. It went around here. Look at these more around here. What you out here doing around here at this time of night around here? All right, no street lights or nothing. It's just be crickets outside. People out here sweating. <laughs> you like here? You know around here? You know you, you take them boys, boy around here, around his ass, boy. You know be speeding. You might be in a hurry around here. <laughs> you going to jail life <laughs> what you mean life Seven Eleven. we close at 6 in the heat of the night shout out to Mississippi I know Mississippi people man man they're like man why you going in on us I can do some shuffling too look out man what you going to do Coming through. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Sorry, man. Hey, man, I love Mississippi. All right. I, I wouldn't live there, though. The mosquitoes, man, got lives of their own, man. Mosquitoes be like, what you doing in our territory? Mosquitoes be graping you at night. Don't fall asleep with a window open. You fall asleep. The mosquitoes be like, yeah. <laughs> A mosquito sneak in your house during the night. 
tearing your ass up. You wake up looking like Willie Lump Lump. Hell no. <laughs> Not me, man. I can't do it. Mosquitoes be calling in their homeboys. Yo, Sean, we got a fresh one right here, Sean. All right, be tearing your ass up. All right. Oh, hell no. Not me, man. Not with them mosquitoes. They, they don't even call them mosquitoes. They call them mosquitoes. Hey, right, these man, I'm right here, the mosquitoes in here. I'm right here. <laughs> Somebody said they put the hot sauce. What did they do? <laughs> he said they put the hot sauce on. Mosquitoes be like, yo, Sean, let me go get the red hot. They be sprinkling on you. <laughs> Tear your ass up. Them mosquitoes. Hey man, we gotta get them around here. New skating around here, around here. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm, I'm not going. I love Mississippi, man. Don't be mad. Everybody in Mississippi, they mad at me. <laughs> all right, shout out to the Cash App people. Oh, uh, it's all love. It's all love. Dad gum, dad gum, dad gum, dad gum. Them dad gum mosquitoes. Them daggone mosquitoes right here down Biloxi around Gulfport. All right. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Oh. Pure Bama's in the building. Speaking of Bama, the, I, he's not offended. Shout out to the coach and the money mindset. Uh, this makes me feel good, man. I tell you, man. Look, I'm going to feel bad after the stream, but at least I can have some fun at the expense of someone. I feel bad today, but shout out to Pure Bama and go check out his channel. I think it's called Pure Pure Bama the Free Man. He's from Bama, Roll Tide. Right? If you get pulled over in Alabama, just say Roll Tide. You'll be good. Mr. Bobo's in the building. My mom and ex dream killed my MMA career. And uh, he says, I lost years off of it because of their bad advice. Again, I mean, uh, those people don't know anything about fighting. Of course, they're going to be like, you're going to get hurt. I mean, of course. I could get hurt at a job. But once you, somebody said Skeeters down here, coach, the Skeeters. But uh, what um, uh, what you guys don't understand is somebody's going to talk you out of doing something, but you're going to miss the window of opportunity. You're going to miss the window of opportunity. And then once that's over, now you're sitting there looking at what the remains of is your, your dream, is your mom and your girlfriend. Oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no and this is what i want to talk about shout out to sunley rising relatives and family different though yeah relatives and family are different i think that's what you said there it got cut off let me see if i got these guys over on paypal here we go this is from jn we're gonna call you jn the second coach is speaking facts my ex-wife tried to block my acting career by pushing her daughter in front now, 10 years later, I am in L.A. and appearing on many network shows, viral videos, and winning awards. The ex remarried and divorced again for the third time. Mm. Free agent lifestyles for life, gents. Yeah, man, that's that's crazy. And you're lucky. One of the best things that happened to me was my divorce in my mid-30s. Because if it would have happened in my mid-40s, I would probably not have recovered, right? But uh, one of the things that got me off the hook was that. It was the people think that that uh, was the thing that hurt me. It didn't hurt me at all. The the court, the trial was horrible. All right. But the breakup is absolutely I was like, good. 
that had nothing to do with me, you know, being bitter and hurt towards marriage. I mean, the, the idea of marriage is what I learned was absolute garbage. All right. And I learned that going through a divorce. I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. I mean, you got to go through all of this to break uh, break off a of marriage. I was like, I ain't never doing that again. It wasn't the whole heartbreak part of it. It was the whole legal part of it. I was like, this is despicable and it's disgusting. But the best thing that happened to me and what happened to you is you got time to recover. And luckily, you had time to recover. Most men don't. Mr. Cook, T. Cook says, I'm leaving my dead-end job and moving to South America next month as I pursue a new career. So I can focus on my career. I told the straggles at work that I'm leaving and got all kinds of hate. I could tell they'd never seen a free agent before. God help the community. I mean, look, just think of a plantation mindset. That one slave that says, I'm out of here, man. I'm running. Toby, be free. Okay, Toby, be free. Now, what typically happened when Toby said he was going to be free? Nobody believed him. They said, what you going to do when you get there? Right? What you going to do? Toby said, I'm going to run. I'm running through Greenville. I'm out. Even when they chopped off his foot, he was like, I'm still going to be free. And it was like, you dumbass. Remember the whole thing. Toby, be free. Now, they don't have an idea what it's like to be free. They don't know. And what they're harping on to you is you ain't going to make it. Sure, I could possibly not make it, but I possibly could. But if I stay my ass here, I know I'm never going to make it. I'm going to be just like you. So in their mind, they're talking you out of making it potentially. But it's better to learn, uh, learn the hard way and then and not make it than to not even try. And most people don't know how to try. So when you say you're going to go free and do something that's outside of the box, the normie lifestyle, they just come and do their call center job and go home and live the same life on repeat like Groundhog Day. They have no idea of what it takes to make it. So they'll talk you out of it. Why don't you stay here with us slaves? Mm. <laughs> no, I ain't going to stay here with y'all slaves. Look at y'all. Y'all dead on the inside. Toby, be free. <laughs> you have to chop my foot off and I'm going to still be dragging that foot. I'm going to be free. And your girlfriends are going to do this. Your family's going to do this. Your mom's going to do this. Your wife's going to do this. All of these people, your friends, they're going to not want you to be free. A couple more. Mr. Uh, Harold L. will call you. It feels like some sort of betrayal when you start a project, venture, or entrepreneurship with the lack of belief and support. It's okay to be alone. A man's path to freedom is lonely at times. Keep going. Yeah, if you're a guy, I often think of this because men say this. Oh, I'm going to be alone. And what about love? Man, that stuff, I can buy that, right? I know I can buy it now. But this, you know, I walk this path alone. It's a lonely, it's a lonely mission. It's not going to be filled with good times and all of this stuff and smoking weed on the porch stoop. You got to leave or you can go stay there if you want. You can stay there if you want. Mr. EO says, Coach, move to Tupelo, Mississippi so you can be a billionaire. Everything is cheap down there. All right, man, let me get over to Tupelo. Man, I, I venture to say, if I walked into the humidity of Mississippi today, right now, I might die. I might pass the hell out. If I walked into Tupelo, Mississippi right now, I said I would stop this in Mississippi. <laughs> All right, let's get into, uh, we'll, we'll get through these. So dream killer number five, looking for love before you self-improve, improve yourself and hinging your future on temporary women or however she feels they're temporary. Trust me, guys, uh, the older you get, the least likely you remember many of these people that you've been with. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember you. 
and you've been with her intimately. You know, ah. Normie friends and family. Number three is going to be survivor's guilt. Oh, this is a big one. This will allow people, this one right here will make people not pursue uh, their, their bag, not pursue money. Because what's going to happen is you're going to start to be successful and you're going to feel sad. And then you're going to go right back, right back to the people who are still stuck. And they're still stuck in their ways mentally. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to be the dude coming in in the new Porsche parking your car at the family reunion. First of all, somebody somebody uh, not in your family that's at that family re reunion is going to throw a brick into the window. <laughs> okay, they're going to throw a brick into the window. Or you're going to feel like, oh, I got to bring my family up. And so you get you a nice, huge place and you start throwing parties and events there. Everything's held right there at your property. Well, um, you're going to feel you're going to feel like these people are warranted to move up into the lifestyle that you've attained. And then ultimately, these people are going to stab you in the back. And it may not be your close relatives. It may not be your close relatives. What's going to happen is one of your cousin's boyfriends, one of your daughter's boyfriends, one of your um, one of your aunt's step dummies. They're going to have a group of nefarious friends that when they when you invite them to the thing, they're going to come in looking at your ish. They're not really family, but your family brought in the the uh, the thugs. And it's all it takes is one or two people in the background looking like a hater the whole time. Now, they're not really connected to you family wise, but it was because of your family that they brought these people in. Sometimes somebody said your ex is too. This is why you can't let your ex-wife into your house because they come in looking at all your shit. Ready to hate, ready to go to court and say he got this and got that. So you're chilling. You think you throw in a good family vibe and your daughter's boyfriend or your, your, um, your cousin's boyfriend, your nephew's homeboy comes over to the event and they out there taking note of all the stuff you have. <laughs> putting Tim's all over your furniture, smoking cigarette and dropping the ashes on your carpet. They spilling drinks on your on your carpet. Hey man, don't he said don't rub that out. You gotta block that. What was that movie? American Gangster, where Denzel was like, you gotta block that. Remember? I think that's the line. So they come over, ruin your stuff, loud all up in your neighborhood, acting the fool, tearing up your stuff, not really caring for it. Uh, this is, did this happen to Sean Taylor, the football player? And then what's going to happen is they end up finding out you go on vacation, your house ain't being watched, and then they come rob you blind. It's not necessarily your family that set you up, but many times all it took was one member, one leak to your family to set you up. So what you do is, this is how you get over that. This is how you get over that. You got to make sure. You got to make sure that you don't feel guilty about not having these people come to your ish. Do, they can't come. Not everybody can come to the crib. Not everybody can come to your neighborhood. I'm sorry, but not everybody can come. Do not have this survivor's guilt. Hey, man, I'm going to show my family that we can make it. Nah, I always tell you, if I had a family event, I will rent out a, um, a hotel ballroom and i will rent out 18 hotel rooms or i'll rent out the whole floor 
and have all the family here. Hey, we have y'all want a wedding? Oh, cool. I can afford to rent out a hotel ballroom and rent out uh, um, or a community uh, conference center, rent out a couple of rooms. Y'all can pay a portion of the fee if you want, um, if you want to do it that way. And we're going to have the whole shim dig over there. <laughs> hey, take us to where you live. Nope. Mm -mm. Nah, we put we bringing in catered food. We ain't barbecue grilling or nothing. <laughs> okay. We could go into the conference ballroom between five and eight. And we could have a shim dig. We got the space table over here. We got all of that over there. Y'all can play bid whisk over here. Y'all can play dominoes over here. We got the music. Y'all can shim dig if y'all want. Y'all can throw it back. <laughs> if y'all want. But y'all not coming to the crib. Y'all not coming to my neighborhood. My sh is gated and it's behind closed doors and quiet hours at nine o'clock at night. Y'all ain't gonna be dusting up and getting drunk. <laughs> y'all can have a <laughs> y'all can have a <laughs> Y'all can have an open bar if y'all want, and y'all start acting ignorant. We're gonna have security outside. That's how I that's how that's how I would do it. But a lot of people have survivor's guilt, so they think they can bring a mindset of people that don't have a good mindset of protecting what, what you've worked hard for, and they don't mind you getting torn up. They don't mind you getting robbed. You know why? Because that's a part of their daily life. That's how they think. Not they don't think about robbing, but they think about people. Uh, they don't like I, I hate when people be like, um, let me give you an example. Do you know um, do you know people who own dogs that the dog is kind of, you know, the dog's kind of vicious. The, the dog will lunge at people and all that stuff. Oh, man, my dog don't bite. Right. My dog don't bite, dude. And uh, sure enough. The dog is going to bite. The dog bites someone. Oh, man, I wasn't expecting the dog to bite. Man, bad dog, you know. <laughs> and um, you're like, well, why did you bring the dog around? You knew it probably could bite someone. Well, it normally doesn't bite someone. Okay, let me, let me do this. <laughs> let me do this in another context and compare it. Many people that grow up in the hood or in low economic situations like trailer parks, they have people that they know are hustlers, scammers, uh, drug dealers, and all of these people. And they will bring these people along with you, with them, to your stuff. Oh, man, he's a thief. He's a kleptomaniac. He's a scammer. He's a hustler. He's a flipper. You just name it. He's a, She's a booster. But they ain't going to do it to you. Trust me. They know better. They know better to do it to my family. Uh, that's going to be a giant. Nope. That's going to be a no. You know these people are boosters. You know these people uh, got sticky fingers. <laughs> you know these people work with uh, people on the black market. You know they do. So with that being said is they're assuming the dog won't bite you. Oh, my dog won't bite you. My homeboy won't get you. Don't worry about him. He will get other people but not you. Nope. This is how you get set up. This is how you get set up. This is how you lose everything you work hard for. So you got to make sure you don't have survivor's guilt. It's a big dream killer of people who say, I want to be successful, but I want my family to come with me. All right. Some people have survivor's guilt in terms of race, right? You might have it. You know, I, when I start making it, I'm going to help my community. 
How? <laughs> they poured in billions of dollars into the community and nothing seems to have helped. It just helped to line the politicians' pockets. So what you going to do? Build a comput computer lab? Another one? <laughs> you going to build another computer lab? What, what are you going to do? You can't rise up together. Because some people like where they are. And they like just going, I'll never make it. I'll just steal from the people who, 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 um, who do make it. And they'll never leave that mindset. So you can go back and help, but they're going to just steal from you at the end of the day. So never have survival's guilt related to gender, race, uh, family, or any of that stuff. Even your immediate family sometimes, they're going to be against you. And then you go ahead and make it, and they'll be like, well, we don't need you anyway. And then you're up here, and they're down here in Struggleville. Sometimes they don't mind being in Struggleville. Or sometimes they'll make you out to be the enemy as you start to differentiate yourself from them. So survivor guilt is a dream killer. You don't have to help people on the way up. On the way up. Now, once you're up, then you can find ways to help. But as you're climbing the ladder, you can ill afford to put people on your back. You can't do it. And I'm still climbing the ladder as far as I'm concerned. You know what I'm going to do when I'm 65 and 70 smoking a cigar on the golf course? Then I'll think about helping somebody's ass. <laughs> Sitting there with a 20-year-old golf cart girl serving me drinks, smoking my cigar between rounds of golf, <laughs> chilling. Eh, I wonder if I should help someone now. All right, I got a 20-year-old golf girl, girl with her uh, boobs in my face pouring me drinks. What would you like now, daddy? <laughs> All right, babe. All right, pour me another one. Smoking a cigar, chilling. All right. Oh, y'all need some help? All right. This is what this is what you need to do to qualify for this help. Forget all that. I'm not trying to help you while I'm climbing. <laughs> I follow this golf cart girl. I'll be like, this is going to be my golf cart girl. Where's she at? I've been following her for years. I'll be like, <laughs> she at Kaylee. All right. Let me see here. I don't know if y'all know. Golf cart girls. Um. Golf cart girls be out here killing it. Here she is right here. Here's one of them. Uh, where's she at? <laughs> this is her right here. All right. Oh, I held on for a second. Let me see if I can line her up. She's going to be like, Daddy, what you need? <laughs> Let me turn her volume down right here. I'm going to be 65-year-old pouring a drink, chilling. With her shaking her titties in my face. <laughs> there she is. Hi, would you like another one? Here's a tip for you. Mm. Look, look, look. That's how they doing. <laughs> she be like, oh, look, she got her money in her hand. Daddy gave her a hundred. All right, she just be on there for the hour. All right, what you need for the hour? All right, take me in the back real quick. Finish me off real quick. All right, baby, let me go play a couple more holes real quick. Then I'll think about helping you. Then I'll think about helping you. Golf cart girl for the win. This girl didn't pay her whole college tuition off. Not making drinks, though. Not making drinks. <laughs> so sisters don't know about golf cart girl scam. Y'all don't know about the golf, not the scam. Y'all don't know about the golf cart girl hustle. I have no idea. This is how these women become the future wives of executives. All right, they've been around here. After a while, after after the executive get done with her, he was like, you know what? I should introduce you to my son. The son comes around. He's the future of the company. He's 25 years old. He's all out there playing golf with his daddy. 
hey, look at this girl. She seems like a nice guy. She's like a nice girl. He introduces her uh, to his son. His son thinks he's running game on her, but he already set up the arrangement like Wall Street. You ever see the movie Wall Street? He's a future engineer doctor. He's on his way up. The father then put a word in for the son. He probably financing the deal. Hey, man, uh, show my son a good time. <laughs> he think he running game. He's got a right. The movie Wall Street actually portrays this particular scenario. So in the movie Wall Street, um, Michael Douglas's character, which is named Gordon Gecko, he's messing with Daryl Hannah. I'm sorry. He's he's mentoring Charlie Sheen's character, who I can't remember his name. So, <clears throat> so Charlie Sheen's character starts messing with Daryl Hannah's character, which I don't remember her name, but she's a tall blonde, and he pits he pits Charlie Sheen and Daryl Hannah together. Bud, yeah, Bud. So Bud is Charlie Sheen, and Daryl Hannah's character, I can't remember her name, but there's a scene. Oh yeah, Bud Fox. There's a scene where Daryl Hannah is walking on the beach with Michael Douglas with the big ass brick cell phone. With the big ass brick cell phone. And Daryl Hannah's like, hey, I think Bud's doing this and I think he's falling for me and whatever. And she doesn't really know whether she should go full board with Bud. But in there, she says he can't know about our past. He can't know what we used to do. Darren, Darian, I think it's Darian. Meaning. She used to be an escort or a sugar baby for Gordon Gecko. For Gordon Gecko. So she was like, hey, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I'm falling for Bud Fox, but you can't tell Bud that me and you used to have a thing. I got money. Right? Isn't that crazy? So at that point, Gordon Gecko was done with her. And he was just keeping her around to, you know, help her out. But at the end of the day, it was an arrangement that he hooked Bud Fox up with. Yeah, because she was a nice, tall, blonde, you know, exotic look, your Eastern European look. And he got the leftovers of Gordon Gecko when he was a rich young man or a rich, slightly older man and was married. So I don't even think Gordon Gecko's wife knew about his relationship with Daryl Hannah's. Thing. So it's 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 uh one of those things that elite people do. Not always, but elite people do. If you want to see a great movie, Wall Street from the 80s, not the new movie, but the 80s movie is what I'm talking about. Anyway, here, let's go to the next one and then we'll do some other super chats. Um, dream killer number two, trying to be cool when you're not. Trying to be cool when you're not. I would advise you guys to nerd out when you can, because one of the crippling things, one of the biggest dream killers of men is trying to be something you're not. Trying to be something you're not. I know everybody wants to be cool. You know what I mean? But a lot of us just aren't cool. A lot of us have a hidden nerd in us that you fail to want to put out into the world because you think people will judge you and say, well, you're not cool anymore. People have an idea of what's cool, and some people have a cool edge that they're just cool anyway. But some people are faking the funk, and you have a nerd quality about you that you don't want people to know until you are around those nerd-ass people. Like, you might you might want to collect comic books. You might be in the comic books that some people are like, that's goofy. Women will think that is goofy, but there's a lot of money to be made into collecting stuff, right? Collectibles. 
And there's a lot of knowledge and information that you could be very geeked out about sharing with your group of people that if you share with her, you'd actually look like a, you look less than cool and you might dry her up like the Sahara Desert. Some women want you to be just thuggo and have thug on your mind and thug your way uh, to, to through life only to put yourself in danger or take penitentiary chances, as ABL says, out here trying to impress her. Slap boxing in the street. Ninjas get mad. Brothers are swearing because they got a few just staring. So you guys out here trying to do pen take penitentiary chances to get into the good graces uh, of women so they can think you're cool. Many of the things that they do are absolutely boring. They know nothing about action figure collection. They know nothing about baseball cards. They know nothing about comic books or whatever the hell you guys want to collect. Art, NFTs, whatever you want to do, crypto, they don't care about none of that. And so they'll talk you out of that lifestyle or you got to hide it when really you just want to nerd out. That's all you want to do. You want to nerd the hell out. But you got to act cool when you're really not. Right. And so a lot of dudes, unfortunately, they take this route as opposed to doing things they're interested in. And they ultimately find themselves around the wrong people. And you talk yourself out of dreams. Matter of fact, you talk yourself into prison. And you talk yourself into jail and into a lifestyle that you can't get yourself out of. You talk yourself into short money. If you are. Um, if you are a guy that loves collecting, uh, loves uh, nerdy stuff, Star Wars, which I'm not a big fan of Star Wars. I just can't swallow it. Pause. <laughs> I can't do it. But I actually have a, a channel where I did my collecting. I'm showing my collectibles and all that stuff. And guys, at the end of the day, guys love collecting stuff like that. It means stuff. And my channel was actually going in that direction before they swapped it out. <laughs> right? They messed me up. So I can't even uh, I actually have to rebroadcast it on my newest channel. But a lot of guys are interested in that, but you got to hide it. And I actually have my stuff out in the open. Um, and oddly enough, not many women judge that. I only had one woman look at it. Like I had on this side, you guys can't see it. But on this side, I had two um, glass cases with action figures and comics and all that stuff. And women will come look at it. Most of the women were like, oh, that's cool. They were like, oh, wow, I used to watch wrestling when I was a kid. So I think only one woman was like, why you got that out here? <laughs> so somebody said, a bitch, bitch is, um, somebody said, that's because coach dates white women <laughs> and Latina and Asian. I'm trying to think how many black women have been in this house. Hmm. Daryl Hughley says, if you can count on one hand, how many black people have been in your house? You're racist. So, hmm. <laughs> well. I can do some shuffling, too. Look out, man. What you going to do? Look out, boys. It's coming through. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, sorry to say. <laughs> I think there have been at least two black women in the house. I think. <laughs> Possibly two. Might be close to three. Hmm. <laughs> Try to really think. <laughs> oh, man. I really don't. I know there's one. I know for sure there was one. I'm trying to think if there was another one. Hmm. <laughs> I'm being honest, too. Damn. I know there's for sure was one. 
<laughs> there was definitely one. And I'm trying to figure out if there was a, oh, there was there was another one. She was mixed though. Does she count? She was a light skin. Her mama was white. Does that count? Oh, somebody says mixed don't count, coach. Okay. So mixed don't count. So we're back to one. We're back to one for sure. Mm. I'm really trying to think if there's been a second one. I don't think there. <laughs> my my mind is still foggy. My mind is still foggy. There could be <laughs> people mad as hell at me. This is ridiculous. I told you he's a Tom. Mixed people don't count. Okay. I'm thinking that there's potentially there's potentially two, but I'm sure there's one. Anyway, shout out to you brothers here. Y'all like, how do you do that? Man, I'm in Southern Cal, man. Not only that, I'm in Orange County. All right. Can you guys know how many black people are in Orange County? Not that many. It's hard. You'd be hard pressed. But again, I think um, I think that might have something to do with it. But I think, you know, it's it's sisters will lead you down the road of thugging. Like I was listening to the radio this morning. I was driving to go get uh some coffee. And that song with Ja Rule and um Ashanti was on. And I was starting to remember somewhere around the mid-2000s, the mid-2000s, like 2002, whenever that music was out, it had a lot of hints of, like, I love it when you thug me, baby, and that I'm a soldier. I need a soldier. Like, a lot of the music tended to lean towards, I don't know if the women weren't writing the music. They were just performing it. So you have to give them credit where credit's due. But a lot of the music was leaning towards women wanting this thug image guy who just thought about thugging all day. Like Tupac with a degree thugging. I love it when you thug me, baby. And thug love. You just need some thug love. Right? And so I don't know if men latched on to this music and say maybe women want thugs or women latched on to the music because everybody's, everybody's motivated positively or negatively by music. You're influenced. I don't know if the women jumped on. It was like, yeah, you're speaking for us. We want a little bit of thug too. And so, yeah, the rough neck, got to get a rough neck. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how that happened. And a lot of guys adapted their lifestyle or mindset to thugging. Like, thugging wasn't the norm of men. Now thugging is the norm. There was times in the 80s where the gangbangers used to come out, warriors, come out and play. Like, those dudes were, like, on the fringe. <laughs> Them dudes was on the fringe, you know what I mean? They met at the subway station breakdancing, you know what I mean? They broke their way to like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They broke dance a little bit. They pulled out their switchblade switch. They pulled out their chains and wrapped it around their hands with a bandana, you know what I mean? Like those dudes was like on the fringe. They was outside like <laughs> you would barely see them. Now everywhere you look, Everybody thugging. Like, it's like 80% of the people thugging. When it was like 2% of the people thugging, they was out. Like, they came out at night. The freaks come out at night. The freaks come out at night. <laughs> but now, everybody's trying to be cool and thugging and sagging and all of these things. You took on the prison element. You guys should be just walking around with orange jumpsuits on at this particular point. And so, this is the, the, what the mindset has done. And music has been the influence of this culture. 
Like I did, it's done, it's done more for white supremacy than anything. Than anything they could have ever pulled off. And it was sponsored by, I can't say it. I mean, it's so much so that music industry led to like, if you think of Young Thug and Gunna, they literally took the mindset of, they became it, they, they rapped about it and then became the criminals. Like they became the criminal operation according to the RICO charges. Like how y'all do that? How y'all fumble that? Well, that's what people have been conditioning people to do. It, it was sponsored by gang culture. Music was. Every single one of these labels, allegedly, was sponsored by drug money and drug dealers. I know if you guys don't know that. If you saw the movie, um, if you saw the movie um, Crush Groove, even back to the movie Crush Groove, they hit it to um, the early seed money for some of the labels. I know they said it was just a story. The early seed money was from drug dealers. Same thing with Death Row Records. The early seed money was from criminal organizations looking to launder their money. This is all alleged. And then, then you had the big labels that were non-black looking to push this music along and distribute it along ways to make these young black men rich. Many of them fumbled the bag. <laughs> but what happens is now it taught people that that's the lifestyle you have to be in order to make it. And so the nerd black guy, who is now the lame, the educated lame, those guys think they're left out. Well, what about me? And so you guys go and get your degree and you got your nerdy ass glasses on and your nappy ass hair and your no fresh line. You know, you ain't got your lineup. You're all watching Star Wars. You playing your instrument in the, you know what I mean? Like you used to play instrument. Um, you pay, yeah, you playing your instrument. You learn how to play the clarinet and the flute. You learn how to play the drums. Look, I can play the drums. Nobody cares. You can play the guitar, the bass guitar. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about your little bass guitar. Not anymore. Not when there's thugging to be done out here. Are you out here thugging? <laughs> Are you out here tagging the wall? Nope. And so what you will do is you take your drum set and you put your drum set to the side and you go thugging. You end up taking penitentiary chances and you get thrown in the clink trying to be cool because the majority of people are walking that life. It's a, it's a crazy thing. So I always encourage people, man, especially young men, don't feel like you got to go there. Of course, you're not going to get the Shaniquas, the Boonquishas, the Lucretias, and the Tatanalishas. You're not going to get them, but you probably don't want them. I know you think you want them, but you don't. <laughs> Some of y'all sitting there with uh, them big-ass bifocals with the crack and the tape around the middle and your mama ain't letting you outside. Hey, man, come back in with them street lights on. She ain't going to let you be out there thugging. And you got your daddy, bring your ass in here, you slump shoulder ass nerd dude with the nappy hair. <laughs> Everybody tell you, man, damn, you don't even match. They they talk an issue about you every day. Damn, you don't even match. You got on red, red socks, mismatched socks, messed up shoes. Damn, when you gonna get a haircut, Sean? So somebody says, stay in the nerd lane. Stay in the nerd lane, bro, because going out here thugging is not long-term plan. It's not a long-term plan. And that's a dream killer for you. You could probably be talented in what you do. I've even known football players to carry their thugging onto the football field. They made it to the NFL. They made it to the NFL and they gangbanging on the field. Mm. Remember, there's a couple of football players you can name that you knew they gang affiliation. They be throwing up gang signs. The NFL had to be like, yo, bro. 
Stop throwing gang signs up, man. Why y'all thugging out here on the field? Oh, Aaron Hernandez was one. Aaron Hernandez literally out here shooting people. <laughs> He's shooting people. He didn't murdering people. He on the um, NFL roster. And you're like, how you thugging in the NFL? Don't you put that behind you? No, no. Just go ahead and be a nerd, right? Just, 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 just let yourself nerd out. Don't try to go into a lane that you can't really navigate because when it comes down to it, everybody gets their thug tested. Everybody gets their alpha tested. And if you ain't ready for that life or you ain't ready for the consequences of that life, just don't, don't go there. Just don't go there. And yes, you're going to miss out on some of the Shaquishas and you're going to miss out on some of the snow bunnies. Them snow bunnies that love them a thug ass dude. All right. Yes. You're going to miss out on them. They're never going to get you. Sure. You're going to end up with leftovers in the end. You're going to miss out because. And that's you. Yeah. They, that's what you're going to pick out from. Or you can get your money right and you can have golf cart girl entertaining your ass. All right. <laughs> when you're 45 and 50 and you ain't dealing with, you can have golf cart girl out here. All right. Mixing your drinks. All right. And she on payroll. If that's what you want her to do, you can rent her out for the hour or the day if that's what you want her to do. But, uh, you know, you'll it ends up coming back around when you're in your 40s and you've dodged all the bullets. It ends up coming back around and they become cheaper and cheaper <laughs> and younger and younger. <laughs> you'll get it right. You'll start getting your hair cut. You'll start getting some nice glasses. You'll turn into Clark Kent. And you'll be good. And she'll be like, and that's you. Yeah, I didn't want to put no sound. I don't want to hear her talking. <laughs> I turned her sound off. All right, uh, we'll give you number one here in a second. Let me check up uh, on the PayPal's and the Cash App real quick. We do have a PayPal. Who is this? The brother. He says, Coach, please stop. Please stop explaining yourself. The sister's done your ass. <laughs> He's so hey, done your ass. The sister's done your ass? Shuffling, please. I mean, the sisters were done. Hey, man, I'm going to, I don't want to go into sisters like that. I know y'all want me to. Y'all be like, talk about them straggle daggles. I'll be like, it's pointless. I can do some shuffling too. Look out, man. What you going to do? Look out, boys. It's coming through. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I think men often underrate their experiences, their successes with women. Like, you know, you might think you're not successful, but because you're not getting a certain style of women, but some you're, you're somewhat successful. But I think, honestly, uh, between all the races of women that I've been with and been around and grown up mostly in Southern California, sisters have given me the least. The least type of interaction or attention, not until I was in my. Late 30s late thirties, then it started to switch. And that's you. It started to switch. Then they started giving me attention, but ultimately I found that they were leftovers. They were big time leftovers. They were single mom, two baby daddies. Um, they were going nowhere in life. They were 40, 45. Uh, they were women sitting behind their desk job at the DMV looking like a, a overgrown zoo animal. <laughs> I'll just say it like that. Hi, handsome. I'm looking at her. Granny, sit down. <laughs> oh, hi, handsome. Trying to give me her number. She's sitting behind a big desk at the DMV. All right. Now, 40 years late, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, I was getting nothing from her. 
but I'm sure she'd have been worn out now. <laughs> now she want to, now she want to run some game and give me some pickup lines now. All right. I'm like, no, ma'am. I'll be at the junior college. Kaylee only at this point. I done got an appetite for Kaylee. I can't turn it down. <laughs> oh my goodness. So like, you know, in my late thirties and you know, I was physically fit and looked a little younger for my age. My beard wasn't gray. I probably was dying it at that point. It wasn't showing me no love. Not the, not the stereotypical Shaquisha, Boonquisha, Tata Delisha, barely even Tamika. And I think I don't know what it is. I actually, this was, I'm telling you story today. I pulled up at the stoplight. I'm in Irvine. Very, again, not a lot of black people here, but I saw a sister standing at the uh, corner of the crosswalk. And next to her was a white girl in a, or a Latina woman on a bike. And they were kind of dressed in exercise clothes. The, the Latina or the white woman had on some shorts and she had her legs out. And the black woman had on yoga pants and a, a tank top. So as they're standing at the light, I'm kind of looking at their demeanor. The white woman's sitting on a bike. I don't think they're together. And uh, the white woman's sitting on the bike and she kind of has her resting face on, but it didn't look intimidating. <laughs> it was just kind of like she was waiting for the light to change. So she was kind of looking around. The black woman was standing there kind of looking straight ahead with her resting face on, but it looked intimidating. Like it didn't look like she was pleasant. She was focusing. She had her headphones on. She was listening to what she was listening to. But I'm just looking at the both of the people. They, This person looked very intimidating to walk up to. The other woman looked a little more pleasant, just not just sitting there. And I'm watching this in the light terms and they both go about their ways. And uh, the white woman gets on her bike <laughs> and she pedals away. And as she's about to pedal, she tells the black woman, oh, the lights change because the light changed and neither of them moved. So as she's pedaling away, she's like, oh, the light changed as a favor to her. And she starts pedaling. She starts pedaling and she goes on about her way. She doesn't look like, don't talk to me. So the black woman starts walking across the street and she looked like, don't talk to me. <laughs> like, don't ever even think about talking to me. And I was like, dang, like, I was thinking, I'm like, is she doing that on purpose or is that just her resting face? And then they wonder why nobody comes up and talks to them because I don't know what it is, but that face is not inviting. And, you know, I see TikToks on here all the time that talk about, like, you know, pretty girls and how they're never approached. And it's true. Like, I was just out at a bar. Black men were there. None of them talked to my friends and I. All pretty girls. Black girls. None. And it's like, People say, like, finding someone to have sex with you, to take you out to eat, to compliment you is not hard. I can go on these apps clearly and find someone that's ready to have sex with me tonight, right now, without even knowing my last name. Literally does not know if I've just had, just got rid of an STD yesterday, but is definitely willing to have sex with me right now. But finding someone that, like, is willing to check on me when I say I'm having a bad day, that's too much. And... It's just so frustrating because it's like, I'm just myself. I don't know what else to do. Uh, some of the, like her, she suffers from self, lack of self-awareness. And so she might think I've just showed up to the nightclub and showed up to the lounge or the bar and nobody approached me. It, it might be you. You're not an inviting person to approach or you're with a group of people, which not many men are going to approach. I know these pickup artists, 
uh, approaching them with a group of women, that's the best way to do it. But not most guys aren't going to do this. Like 80% of guys are not going to do that. Uh, they tried it in the past, and they got clowned and laughed at. And then the dudes are like, okay, hell with that. Or they got told to buy the whole group of, uh, group at the table to, uh, a drink, and the finesse game was on. And men were like, all right, yeah. <laughs> all right, we ain't pulling none of that stuff. So, so this is this is what happened. So she has a lack of self-awareness as to why she's not having success in this endeavor, and she's blaming men, saying, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do. Well, you, you're you not inviting this opportunity to come about. All right. Uh, oh, cash apps. BK says living the free agent lifestyle with my son. Thank you. Shout out to you and your son. Congratulations for having a son with you. And uh, every father, every son needs a father. I'm appalled at the amount of women that think that they can keep their sons away from the father. They think this is absolutely fine. Now, if the dad doesn't want to be there, that's one thing. But if the dad's saying, nah, uh, son should come with me, and they fight that, <laughs> I mean, you're going, uh, set your son up. Uh, tell me you're setting your son up for failure without telling me you're setting your son up for failure. Mm. And you're literally trying to not have the son with the father. I mean, I, I'm going through that right now. It's an easy transition uh, my because because I'm moving. My ex is fighting. No, 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 no. So he can live with two women. Oh, that's going to turn out well. <laughs> she's never been a man. She's never been a young man. This man's going to grow, and she's fighting it. I mean, I tell you, man, women are selfish. And it comes down to it, women are selfish. They don't think about the kid. They don't think about the young man. They think about themselves. And it's it's sad. It's sad. But, guys, this is what tells you. I, I go through all of this BS to tell you. Think about this stuff. Before you get married and before you get have babies, because once you try to wriggle out of this afterwards, you cannot. There's no plan out of this. <laughs> There's no plan out of this. Shout out to XO Pro Services afternoon coach gang. Where are you at? Where is afternoon? Are you on the and you're in the uh, if, oh, it must be on the East Coast. Mr. Beatty says shout out to you and monk mode maniacs. All right. The monk mode guys have figured it out. The monk mode guys have figured it out. There's no, there's no way any young man in their early teens to late teens should be living with their mom exclusively if the dad wants the, the son to live with them. If the, if the dad does not want the son to live with him, right, so he could go out there and chase panties, that's another story. So if the dad goes, nah, I'd rather have my freedom, and then you can stay with your mom, and he washes the hand of the kid, then there's nothing she can do. But a teenage boy going to stay, it, that, it doesn't make any sense to me. There's no way. There's no way that that's a better scenario for him. It's absolutely selfish. But uh, in order for me to get that done, I'll need to pay 20, 30 grand open. And, and what's going to happen is they're going to blame me for opening up the court case. They're going to be like, you're destroying the family. I tell you, women are just I mean, I don't know, man. I must I, I have one of the worst ones to deal with in terms of a co-parent. I'd have to open up a case, spend 20 to 30 grand. Uh, drag my daughter, her, her into it. Uh, I have to, have to hire children's attorneys, attorneys for both of the child. Hire my lawyer. <laughs> You're going 20 grand, 30 grand, potentially. The lawyers are going to milk you. My lawyer is going to milk me. The kids attorneys are going to milk me. And these kids are 15 and 16, going to be 16 and 17. <laughs> or I could just be like, man, screw this. 
you like what the hell like screw this or 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 pay and fight and then in two years they're both going to college and then they're gonna blame me because that's what they're gonna do she's gonna sit off to the side well he's the one starting this and then they're gonna blame me for having drug all of this dirty laundry out man forget it <laughs> i'll be like this forget all that they're gonna blame me anyway but it's absolutely deplorable that people can't see outside of themselves and their selfishness. It's absolutely deplorable. So anyway, anyway, sometimes people want you to sacrifice their kids. Let me give you dream killer number, uh, dream killer number one. Thanks for waiting around. It says right here, dream killer number one, feeling sorry for yourself. All right, so this is going to be you where you're self-inflicted. So you're not letting outside sources influence you. You feel sorry for yourself. Thank you for listening to me over the last three days, trying to recover from this and fight this little infection. But uh, feeling sorry for yourself is never going to do you any good. I always feel bad for people on Facebook. They feel sorry for themselves. A lot of times they'll hear a story that happens that is very least likely to happen to them, and then they will put it onto their lives as if this is going to happen to you. It's probably not going to happen to you. But as a male, having this feeling sorry for yourself mentality is very weak. It's a very single mother-raised um, mentality. Very single mother-raised mentality. I feel bad for people who have self-pity. Oh, woe is me, and it's always going to be bad for me, and it's never been good. These people are in their 50s and 60s. Oh, my God, the community never good. They still community activists, still listening to Marvin Gaye. Marvin, Marvin. <laughs> I can't even think of the song. Uh, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, what's going on? Oh, what's going on? They still are activists. Ah. They still an activist out here since Marvin Gaye's on, man. Still out there marching, sweating. They got in front of the newspaper vein coming out of their forehead, sweating. We shall overcome. You know what I mean? Like, come on, bro. You've been doing this for 45 years, man. Man, throw the damn towel. Hold on for a second. Move on with your life, Mr. Self-Pity. Where's the throw in the towel guy right here? There you go. Throw the damn towel. Throw the damn towel. They making signs. We're going to make these signs like we used to make in the 1960s. Man. Mm. <laughs> if you don't sit your ass down and move on with your life, ain't nobody. Dude, have you figured out nobody feels sorry for you even to this day? When do you think they're going to start feeling sorry for you? I th sometimes have to tell the brothers. When? Hold on for a second. I'm going to ask you. When exactly do you think they're going to start feeling sorry for you? I mean, it's never, it hasn't happened in 20, 30, 40 years. I grew up, I grew up in a time where the Rodney King and the police brutality issue finally got highlighted because a lot of dudes used to get the snot beat out of them and nobody had it on camera, right? So it was very, dude, the cops back in the day, if y'all think the police were bad, are bad now, the police back in the day were a problem. Like, they didn't have video cameras and them recording you. They used to put you in the back and, and take you with the baton up the banana up the tailpipe with no problem. The police was thugging out here. All right, the police was a problem. They used to do things with the, the old mustache. Not the old, where you going, boy? The mustache police with the damn uh, aviator glasses. That policeman. 
He come up to your car. He bang that baton on your damn uh, quarter panel. Doom, doom, doom. You like, oh, Lord, it's over. <laughs> Until, yeah, Robocop. Until they caught the dudes on camera, right? Putting the boots to uh, Rodney King. At that point, things started to change culturally. Police had to get, you know, police had to do a little reforming, just a bit. But at the end of it all, at, that was when I grew up in the time where that was changing. That was in the 1990s, 91, 92. Here we are. Here we are some 30 years later. And there's still people still stuck back there. <laughs> still stuck back there. And they're waiting for something to change. And you're feeling sorry for yourself for being born how you are. Despite the fact that there are other people that are like you that are winning. Despite the fact that there are other people like you that are winning and they're losing all of it where they can't be blamed because you had $100 million and you fumbled it. So it's not about money. It's about the mindset. Somebody gave you $100 million to perform and your ass fumbled it. So obviously money's not the answer. Money's not the answer because most, most of the people in general are bad with money, especially when you have a poor mindset. If they, you give poor mindset and people money, they're going to blow it. So then now you're feeling sorry for yourself. And you think somebody else is going to pick you up from this woe is me. Despite the fact that there are other people that look like you, they come from the Caribbeans, they come from Nigeria, and they come here and they be successful. And you're going, well, why are they successful? Well, it's the foundational black Americans that they hate. I thought they hated black people. No, them people ain't black. Those people are carry beans. Those people over here are from the Caribbean. These people over here are from Nigeria, they different. But the original foundational people over here, they hate. Well, listen. I can't deal with all this. <laughs> I can't, I can't. How much sorry can you feel for yourself? This is going to debilitate you. It's going to cripple you. How much more can you fractionally break down the discrimination? Yes, there is. Life ain't fair. But if it is what it is, it is what you make of this thing. Sometimes you got to see if, if you can strip that away and see if your life don't change. Your life is going to change if you strip that feeling sorry for yourself away. As a matter of fact, I'm a person that doesn't have a lot going for me, but I sure have a God complex. I'm just letting you know right now. I sure do have a God complex. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I am Mr. Perfect, right? <laughs> I'm the leader of perfection over here, man. You can't tell me nothing else. I'm like, she. But, I mean, when people look at me, they like, why are you so confident? People used to tell me that in high school. Damn, you walk with your head high. Uh, I know any. I don't know any different. And, like, you always walking with your head up high, shoulders back, chest out, stomach in. That's what my uncle used to tell me when he went to the military. I never walked around slumped shoulder and woe is me. I'm always thinking that I can do something when I know I can't do something. A wise man knows his limitations. I don't go over there and do it. They'd be like, hop on this jet ski. I'll be like, nah. I'll be like, nah. I think I'll stay on the land. <laughs> Y'all ain't got me out there floating out there lost in the sea. Damn. Look at out here. I knew I shouldn't have listened to y'all. But... <laughs> I do ride motorcycles, though. So I'm just telling you, I mean, I know my limitations. But I know I'm pretty good at most things when I put my mind to it. And when I'm good at it, watch out. 
I'm going in hard. Pause. I'm going at it, and nobody can tell me otherwise. I don't care. Y'all can throw whatever you want on me. I'm Teflon. It ain't going to stick. You're not going to stop me once I get going on something. You're not stopping me. And I will become tyrannical. <laughs> I will be marching down Benito Mussolini. All right. You ever see a video of Mussolini? He all aggressive, chest all out. He got a cigar. He like, yo, he said, I run this. That's my mentality. I run this. I don't care what you throw at me. It's meaningless. What you're going to have to do is find me in a bunker and blow me up. <laughs> that's what you're going to have to do. Um, that's what you're going to have to do to stop me. You're going to have to find me in a bunker with my dog. No, just joking. That's the only way you stop me. All right. I'm going to come back again and again. All right. You're going to be like a uh, Terminator. It's going to be like the Terminator. As soon as you see the Terminator, as soon as you see the Terminator, you'd be like, damn, we finally got him. And then the Terminator come back alive. you like, damn. <laughs> they trying to set him on fire. They trying to electrocute him, blow him up, shoot him, bomb him, hit him with a semi-truck. Terminator coming back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, y'all going to have to come up to me, sneak up on me. But, but that's how I look at life. I look at life and I look at risks and I look at opportunities. And then I say, I think I can do this. And, and when I do it, I go full bore. But not a lot of people can do that. You second guess yourself. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. People are not going to like me and all this stuff. I don't care about people liking me. I really don't. Maybe when I'm older, I might say, damn, nobody likes me. People worried about how many people going to be at your funeral. You know, nobody was at their funeral. And he did. Why are you worried about how many people who going to be at your funeral when you taking a dirt nap? Like, that's stuff I don't care about. As I'm dying, nobody's going to be at my funeral. <laughs> like, <laughs> but normies worry about stuff like that. You worry about stuff like that. Like, you're dead. Like, you're going to count when you're out there. Uh, Let me see. One, two, three, four. Okay, 50,000. 50, 11 people came to my funeral. You worried about dying alone. You're going to be alone when you die. So instead of dying alone, you have this person around you for 40 years, dragging her ass everywhere. She annoying you and nagging you to hell. So instead of dying alone, you got this person dragging her around like dead weight for 40 years, just so you don't die alone. I mean, this is how I think. I know I'm, I'm different. I'm a little bit different. <laughs> he said the ghost cares, coach. The ghost looking down. How many people? How many people at my funeral? Your ghost, your spirit looking down. Oh man, they came. Oh, they ain't came. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. You gonna be dead. I mean, people be fearing that all the time. Hey, man, it is what it is. It's not like you're going to be the first one to get over the fact that you ain't going to dip. But anyway, the whole point of it is you got to not feel sorry for yourself. Everybody's born with some sort of advantage and a disadvantage. And I always say in my course, Unapologetically Masculine, the point was there's no deficiency that you cannot overcome. I've heard all the deficiencies about black Americans, and I've seen too many people overcome it. And they didn't overcome it by... um feeling sorry for themselves or throwing up a bunch of excuses. I know, man, it's tough. I know it's tough, but damn, I seen the Nigerians come in there with a damn Kmart shirt with the pocket and a pocket square and a penny loafers and their slacks. And they came in and killing it. 
they came in, they came into America and they, they started killing it. Let me see here. I got to take somebody. But um, anyway, so that's that's kind of what we're talking about here. They come in and kill it. They come in and crush it. And then you have to look at them and say, well, what's their excuse? How come they did it? Uh, same thing with men. Same thing with women. I think I find with women when they use a gender as an excuse of not being able to perform, I think they feeling sorry for themselves. I'm like, you're feeling sorry for yourself. Why you keep bringing that up? If you were good enough to do something, you'd be you'd be killing it. But you're trying to do something you're incapable of doing, and then you're complaining that the uh, outcome is not the same as the people out here that are doing something well. You're feeling sorry for yourself because you were born a certain way and because you can't control it and you can't change it. You now want me to feel sorry for you. Nope. No. Hell no. This is life. And let me just say this. In this life, in this life, do you realize we got it better in this American so-called republic or democracy? We got it better than many other civilizations before us. Most of the time when your family were peasants and farmers, they were forever peasants and farmers. When they were forever middle class or class, or whatever, they were forever that. You couldn't just jump, jump and skip, skip hierarchies. You couldn't do that. You couldn't do that all the way up until like 1860, 1890. You couldn't just skip, skip, skip your way to the top from poverty to the to the top. You couldn't do it. In America, you can literally do that. We're blessed to be in an opportunity that we have. We can go from poverty to the middle class in a matter of a year or two. You can go from middle class to wealthy in a matter of three to four years. We could do it. You could do it from your garage. You could do it from your damn apartment. So we live in great times. And these people out here constantly complaining about BS is miserable. You're miserable. You're miserable as a person. Let me see here. I'm trying to let somebody. Damn. Sorry about that. So I, I think people like this are miserable. And do not be around people like this. Do not be around people like this. If these people are in your life. If these people are constantly in your life finding their way to feel sorry for themselves around you, you need to get rid of them. Do not let them people into your do not let them people into your life. Get rid of them ASAP because they're going to take you down. They're going to make you not chase your dream in order to help them feel better about the situation they're in. You don't have time for that. Trust me. You don't have time for that. You don't have time for them. If they're not going to be on your program, let them figure out their lives without you. You can give them a little bit of game, but uh, if they don't want to understand, then you got to bounce. But what you'll eventually do is you'll get drag yourself down and you'll limit your potential and growth in order to try to make them feel good about themselves. And I don't have time for that. I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time for that. You either learn and I keep it moving. Like some people are like, well, why don't you make the video shorter? And why don't you do this? Look, I'm giving the game the way I know how to give it. I'm giving the game the way I know how to give it. If you want me to just condense this into 10-minute videos, I can do this, all right? But this is not how you learn. And lazy people learn that way. You want to get your master's degree on life from YouTube, you be ready to expend, uh, spend some time and some money, okay? So anyway, we're going to do the rest of the Super Chats. Then I got, uh, I got some uh, stuff to do, take care of for the rest of the day. I might not be back this evening, 
Uh, let's see here. We got a couple here. This is my, I think it's my, my Nigerian brother. No, I got him already. Mr. EO said to move down to Tupelo and be a millionaire. <laughs> Goodness. Mr. Oh, I got this one already. I got these two. I, I think there's two more over here. I won't say his government name. Jimmy ZTT says hip hop is the audio version of birth of a nation. Now girls hate nine to five guys and love thugs. God help the community. Rest in peace. Uh, KS and Timon shout out to the coach gang. So, um, um, yeah. So, so we do hear a lot of people that are saying a lot of young women. Oh, there's a video on Twitter that I do want to share related to that. Hopefully I remember it, but a lot of young women are going, nah, I like the um, scammers and the drug dealers. That's exciting to me. And they're openly, guys, never shame women for talking on the, on the internet. Just take the information and use it. So, yeah, they're out here talking about they love the scammer and the drug dealer. What are you supposed to do with this information as a young man? And this is a glorified image of hip-hop. I, I uh, appreciate you talking about that. And I love hip-hop. I'm not against rap or hip-hop. I'm not against thugs. I'm not against these. But we are, well, no. I'm not against rap. I'm not against rappers, but we are against those thugs. It's the thuggish, ruggish bone. It's the thuggish, ruggish. <laughs> Shout out to Eric M. He says, hey, coach, have you ever been to Newark, New Jersey? I'm sure a Newark stud beat the brakes off your girls or you coach one. LOL, our high schools have bre uh, bred it some top tier stud ballers. Yes, I used to recruit New Jersey pretty aggressively. And uh, Newark in Philly, that whole area is different. I mean, there's a lot of areas that are different from each other. The United States is a big country. And uh, we are basically, I would say we're five countries put together. So regionally, everybody's different. The, New the Newark and Jersey and Philly girls, different. And they, 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 are thug they are thug out on you, right? <laughs> they are thug out on you. Uh, let's see here. I wanted to play this video. Bitcoin hit under 220K. I knew it was coming. Pause. Let me see here. Let me go on my Twitter. See if I can share this video. Let me see. I don't know if I'll get a copyright on this one, but check this video out on my Twitter. explain this in words yeah that's what i got <laughs> oh my god what city does that smell like anyone what city does that smell like uh we'll give you a wait a minute we'll give you a couple of crap what city would that smell like i could smell it from here anyone anybody what city hey what city do y'all want to claim on that one <laughs> all right what city y'all claim some of y'all know where that is Somebody said Baton Rouge. That's what I went with first. Uh, Memphis would be, I would say that would be second to me on that one. All right, Jacksonville potentially. Atlanta, I don't know if that's Atlanta-ish. I think it's in the South, though. Somebody said Milwaukee. 
That could be Milwaukee. It could be Milwaukee. I wouldn't be surprised if that's Milwaukee. <laughs> oh, man. That's rough, bro. I mean, I, that's not even the junior college. I mean, that's not even trade. That's, that's cosmetology school right there. That's cosmetology school. <laughs> All right. That's not even the junior college. All right, goodness. All right, you going down fistful of fistful of ones at the cosmetology school. Woo. All right, uh, let's see here. Did I get all the cash apps? Did I get, wait a minute. I think I did get them all. Pause. Uh, I think it's uh, Jamie says, for the college girl fun coach, I got money. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's going to cost more. This is why I do fistful of 20s to avoid the cosmetology school girls. <laughs> Are you a freshman at the university? No, no. <laughs> you look like no. a freshman. <laughs> yeah. James, we're going to call you James, says there is nothing we can't overcome. Thanks, coach. Not at all. And men, you can change your life in a matter of months to years. The first thing you guys do, live the free agent lifestyle. Stop dating. Stop broke dating. Once you stop doing that for six months to a year to two years, you're gonna money's gonna pile up on you. You don't even have to change your income. Your income will change very slightly, and you'll have extra money. All right, I've always told you this. People don't get it. Stop broke dating. Stop trying to negotiate with these people on what should qualify as a good mate. Oh, you should like me if I'm not a provider and don't have my life together and live with my mama. All right. No, man, it don't work that way. <laughs> Mikhail says for the white man too strong coach uh I do I, one of the things I always find funny is um like I'll see some drunk white toothless dude in Florida he he damn near homeless he, he, you know he, he looks homeless and he'll be in the he, he'll be in the uh come and go he'll be in the Win Dixie calling uh black people ninja all in the grocery store <laughs> and I'm looking at him like why y'all even worried about them? And the big people in the Twitter uh, comment section, man, you should knock them out. You should beat them up. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, what is he going to do? What is he honestly going to do? Nothing. Like, he feels so low beneath himself that he still believes he's just slightly better than you, and he's a drunk alcoholic, toothless, meth addict. <laughs> You're sitting there like, bruh. Leave them people alone, man. Leave them alone. Be like, look, ignore him. Thank you, sir. Bye. Bye. Why would I be intimidated by that person? Why would I be, why would I have my nerve frazzled by this dude? Same thing as them proud boys. They be walking around with their khakis and they blue uh, Best Buy shirt with their little shield. Like, what are they going to do? <laughs> they walk out marching. They got their American flag. You know, they're proud. Okay, be proud. Bye. <laughs> I got I got some work to do. Now, if you start messing with my money, now we got a problem. Who care about these people? That's not that's not white supremacy. That's low life. Them, them people are low lives. Right? They feel they feel sorry for themselves. So they feel this is the only way that they can make themselves feel better by pulling out the well, at least I'm white card. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, at least I'm at the end of the day, at least I'm not black. That's that's the card they're playing. Can't do nothing. These people are, to me, they're peons. I, I'm way past them. They can come around my car. The only thing they could do then just surround my car at one particular point. But they're not going to do anything out in public. I always tell you they can't do anything out in public. It actually would be not worth it for them to do it out in public. All they would have to do 
all they would have to do is leave a a a a uh a drum full of firearms in the community behind a railroad track they could leave a loaded bushel of firearms in a in a in a um in the bushes and that would do more for their cause than them for the risk their freedom doing whatever harm to you again they could accomplish more by leaving loaded firearms <laughs> in the bushes somewhere in Compton than them coming to your neighborhood to disrupt you. Not They kill off 80 people on a weekend in Chicago by doing that, as opposed to them running up. In, they're going to run up in Chicago with their shield and their helmet. They're going to run up in Chicago. They ain't going to do nothing. It's all jibber jabber. That that stuff is no. What are the Proud Boys? Forget them. They ain't gonna do nothing. They're doing nothing. <laughs> they don't want to go to jail. They're not gonna risk their freedom and their white privilege. They're not gonna do anything. But they can literally make you shoot yourself. <laughs> they can they could be like, we'll sponsor your rap career. How come all rappers start off with the same couple of diatribes? I'll be flipping the nickels and dimes, flipping and flipping the nickels and dimes. I'll be shooting the nigga that coming and coming and coming. <laughs> It's always going to be shooting. I'm flipping her. I'm riding her. I'm put. I'm a new rapper. Listen to my music. Flipping the nickels and dimes and putting the nigga in jail and stealing the girl, stealing the girl, stealing the girl. Skirt, skirt. Flipping the nickels and dimes and shooting the nigga. Mm. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, not another one. Oh boy. Sipping the syrup, sipping the syrup, shooting the nickels and flipping the nickels. And <laughs> Shit. I'm like, not another one of you guys. Oh, Lord. Can we rap about something different? Not the nickels and dimes. <laughs> but then what they'll do is they'll literally go, okay, we'll, we'll promote you. We'll kill thousands of people by promoting your record career. We'll put, we'll put thousands and thousands of dead bodies by promoting you as a rapper, as opposed to me coming up into your neighborhood and threatening you with violence. Come on, man. Just know how it works. So when it comes to that, now that's a higher level of supremacy. That's how it works. They make you beat, they make you delete yourself or they make your neighbor delete you. Now that level of supremacy, that is another level. That's what you have to overcome. Forget about all of these ignorant people at the bottom. These people are plebes. They're, 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 they feel sorry for themselves. So they're trying to do this. They're trying to figure out their way in life, looking for someone to blame themselves. I would pay them very little attention, very little. Those aren't the problem. The problem are organizations and all of those. those are problems, right? The three-piece suit. Yeah, learn about how you get disenfranchised from housing and all. Yeah, that, that right there is where the game is. Anyway. <laughs> all right, so anyway, I gave you the recipe on how to become a rapper. Put a couple of phrases together and you'll be good. All right, put these phrases together. And you'll start being off into a rap career. Shout out to Donald. We'll call you Donald. He says, have a gallon of premium on me. Appreciate you. We, uh, mm, uh, it, that's a little short of a premium probably as of today. But I appreciate that. It was, it was less than a premium. But it's all good. The gas prices are. Anyway. Anyway. I'll tell you how to put a rap career together. It's pretty simple at this point. Pretty simple. So anyways, get the auto-tune and the beat. 
the real dark, mysterious. Throw some inspirational duck in there. Sample it. Flipping the nickels and dimes, and I got these hoes, I got these hoes, I'm beating it on her forehead. Flipping the nickels and dimes, and I grab my gun, and I'm shooting it. You know? mm. <laughs> oh, my God. And I flee the seed, and I clean it up, and she clean it up, and then get on her knees, and <laughs> you're like, oh. It sound like the baby. Every song. I come in your wife's house and I beat it on the forehead and then I leave and then I skeet it down her throat and then you came home and you kissed her and it kissed the kids. Mm. I'd be like, boy, this second verse is about to be good. All right, I hope there's a story to this. This seems to be the same song again. <laughs> and then I went to a corner and then I got the corner and I pitched the rock and I pitched it and I sold it and I sold it and I ruined the whole neighborhood and I went to jail and then I came out. I came out harder and flipped that rock and cooked it and baked it and put the flour in it. Mm. <laughs> all right, let me stop, man. It's time for me to go. All right, it's time for me to go with all of this, man. Anyway, shout out to the Coast Gang. <laughs> we gonna be out of here. I'll catch up with the rest of the PayPals. If you don't see me this evening, either they got me or, or I'm taking a break. All right, shout out to the Coach Gang. And we out of here, brothers. <laughs>